I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. Friday night, May 29th, 2020. Welcome to this edition of the Don Tony Show. Yeah, I got to get used to these little graphics and stuff. So. I'll tell you, I tried to really get into SmackDown today. But, uh, look, it, it was pre-recorded. But talk about just ex- dealing with Debbie Downer all week long. Then we have SmackDown tonight and taking, uh, you know, a little... Uh, Page from Jeff Hardy's alcoholism, his battles with substance abuse, turning it into a storyline. I don't know. I don't know it, how I feel about it right now. I mean, to be honest with you, with some of the other things going on in this world right now, it kind of like I don't think about it as much as maybe, you know, if these other things were going on. But um, I tell you, you know, it's this is just rough. This is rough. I got Tonight's episode is going to be a little bit different, obviously. You know, yes, we're going to talk about wrestling. Yes, we're going to talk about SmackDown. Um, but we're also going to have some real serious discussion during this episode. Honestly, I don't think I can do uh, a rant like this with any co-host, whether it's Kev or Mish or anybody else out there, because, you know, just some things have to come from here. And... Um, it's amazing for anybody who has followed my shows for the last, you know, 10 years, if you just want to use a 10-year span. And the one thing that I've always vowed since 1997 doing this stuff is authenticity. You know, what you see is what you get. What you hear is what you get. And the one thing that I always you know, convinced myself and convinced all of you for 23 plus years is that I ain't going to pander. I ain't going to say what gets the most popularity to me. You know, there's a lot of people online. Look at the Hannah Kimura suicide. Look at the Shad Gaspard passing. And by the way, this shirt arrived today, just in time to do the Don Tony show. I ask and I receive. I said on Monday, hopefully this shirt arrives for Friday so we can, you know, just wear it 
in pride to pay tribute to Shad Gaspard way before all of these riots that are going down and how appropriate that it arrived today. So much love. And you know what? I got to say this right off the bat. And that's another thing about yours truly. I could care less who I trigger. I could care less who I confront and I could care less who I piss off. Because one thing is, I don't hold things in simply because it's the right thing to do. And, um, you know, when I always call out these goofs on social media, you know, the, um, the, the news websites that just, you know, tweet clickbait and bullshit. And you have all these podcasters and websites that will actually, like, use those garbage news sites as their sources, it's just pathetic. And the one that I saw today, thank you, Christian Maxi. And by the way, uh, whose birthday was it earlier? Oh, I got to pull this up. Wish him happy birthday. Albert's happy birthday, my, my friend. All the best. And you know what? Before I say anything else, I owe uh, one of my most loyal friends, followers. I don't know her personally. I'm not going to lie. But Andrea, my sincere apologies, Andrea. You know what it is? I have two friends. I, I follow very few n- number of people on Twitter. Some are patrons, some are personal friends, people that I've become friendly with in wrestling. Some people I follow because, to be honest with you, I kind of have to, you know, because it stirs it up if I'm not following certain people. But uh, two of the people that I follow is uh, Andrea and Beth. Very big supporters of my show. And the last two shows, I was talking about the Chris Jericho foam hand that you really can't see in the back right now because the microphone's in the way, but it's from the Jericho cruise. And, you know, I appreciated it so much because it was a nice little gift to give me. But at the same time, you know, I just kept thinking about those haters that were so jealous to see people going on this cruise to have a good time. That, oh, the women are going to be trampled by sausage fests and that. And everybody had a great time. But I kept saying that Beth was the one that sent me the gift. And because I'm always communicating with both on social media, I mixed the two up. So, Andrea, I know she doesn't expect this apology, but I had to throw it out there because that's 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 how I am. But um, I don't know if you guys have seen this the last 24 to 48 hours. Just to give you a good example of the garbage cesspool of these websites. Did you see the Shad Gaspard... AEW, Double or Nothing, Drowning article that people are not only reporting but cutting and pasting. And you have other goofs that use these sites as sources. That It's, it's amazing. They use them for sources. And then when an article like this comes out, they'll act all you know, upset about the article, thinking that it's real. And then once they get caught and realize that it's a bullshit article, you see them do a 180 with emotion. My God. When I talked about what's going on in Minnesota right now, which I'm going to talk about later, and this goes back to what I said as far as if you follow me for the last 10 years, you know, you grow as years go by. You mature. Your views change on certain things. You evolve. And I got to tell you, man, doing a lot of soul searching the last three or four days especially, you know, I, I realize now how much of my views have changed in such a short amount of time. I think some people will be a little bit taken back by my views of what's going on with these riots right now. 
But what upsets me the most is there are certain people out there, you know, not naming any particular names, but you could see it for yourself. There are certain people out there that have a certain view, a certain opinion as far as how they feel about what's going on with the riots. And they don't get much of a response to it. Me, I take the total opposite view to it. And it gets some response, some conversation going. And then you see these people like twist their words just so they could be included in on a conversation. It's like, it's it's a sickness. It really is. When I've been saying for the last four or five years now that Twitter likes and Facebook likes is like heroin for certain people out there. When you are addicted to something, you don't care if people see you at your lowest. As long as you get that hit. And there's so many people on social media right now that you see them at their lowest, at their desperation, them criticizing others about things that they're doing them very themselves, but they just that, that attention is so important that they could care less of how they come across. But the wrestling news websites today, I wanted to throw up what I read. Did you see this? Double or nothing. Last Saturday, last Saturday, you know, we had the main event. The stadium stampede. And if you remember my review last Saturday, I talked about how I felt that the turning point of that main event match that really bought me, just really, and I even used it that everything in the beginning of the match was foreplay. And once this particular moment happened, it turned into quote unquote intercourse. I know it was a goofy analogy, but people understood what I meant. If you want to use a PG version of it, everything up to this point was an appetizer in a restaurant. And once this point happened, you knew you were getting the main course and a beautiful dessert. And that was when Santana and Ortiz were in a pool with Matt Hardy. You remember that clip specifically? I invite everybody out there, go back to my recap. When I brought up that specific moment, you tell me how many people that were tuning in live, turned around and said, you know, I kind of think that was really distasteful. You know, drowning Matt Hardy after what just happened to Shad Gaspard and this and that, how could they do that? I didn't see anybody on social media getting triggered over this as well. But what happened was, and this is me, I pay attention to everything. I try my hardest to be prepared no matter what is thrown at me because some people try to play gotcha with yours truly and I usually pass the test. I don't play gotcha with others because then when I gotcha, when I catch them, then I look like the dick. So that's why I don't do it in return. But the thing is, is that somebody two or three days ago posted, you know, I got to tell you, I felt really uncomfortable seeing, you know, Matt Hardy simulating drowning in the pool after what just happened to Shad Gaspard. It took them five fucking days to write that on Twitter. Meanwhile, there's about 80 different tweets that they wrote before then. If you're triggered by that, you react immediately. You don't wait five days and then you post it. And because that person started getting attention to it, news sites today and last night said, friends of Shad Gaspard were very upset and were very turned off at AEW doing a drowning segment in their main event match. Friends, if their friends were that much of an uproar, something tells me the friends probably would have spoke about it online. But of course the friends are quote-unquote unnamed because they ain't no fucking friends. So these garbage websites just, you and they don't even realize they did it. They didn't realize it did, because I don't think they meant it in malice, but they just used Shad Gaspard's drowning to get hits. 
by lying and saying that friends, close friends of Shad Gaspard, yeah, close friends mingle with ringside news that don't fucking even individually show themselves. You know, yeah, all the close friends all confided into ringside news. The fuck out of here. That's the toxicity that you see going on. The desperate need for attention and hits is just incredible. And it's disgusting. And what else is disgusting is what's going on right now in this world. It's nothing new. It's been going on for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades, over a century. And now you got these riots. We'll talk about it a little bit later because I know a majority of you here are here for wrestling discussion, but also you don't mind talking real life things that are going on as well. Um, so we'll get into some wrestling stuff first. And then later on, we'll segue into, you know, the tragedy of George Floyd and why I believe these riots going on in Minnesota right now are necessary. If you would have asked me to say that a year or two ago, I would have never said that. I would have turned around and said, look at these innocent people that are losing their buildings, this and that. I actually think this is absolutely necessary. I don't want to get into the rant right now, but I hope every fucking dirty cop out there or every cop that does never ever want to kill anybody but uses the police force as, you know, as like being narcissist or powerful and you're better than others. I hope they get so scared shit that if they even dare do something like this that could turn into a different circumstance, my God, my city might burn down as a result. Seriously, I'll talk about it a little bit later, um, you know, because I have a lot to say about that. I did so much research and refreshing my memory over the last 30 years of some of the stories that have happened here in New York before we even had internet and social media and what has transpired in our country for the last 10, 20, 30 years. You know, and I, I, I'm telling you, man, it's disgusting. It's disgusting, but um, I think some people are going to be absolutely shocked even when I say to you right now that I actually understand now and agree to a certain extent why Kaepernick kneels, that I always said, what about all the officers in the military that are offended by that? Well, you know what? I started thinking about it this week. Even if military men, retired, current families that lost loved ones in the military, even if they were offended by the kneel, I think our military you know, loves our country so much that they would turn around and say, you know what, they have the right to do that. They have the freedom to do that. We fought our country. So if that's what they want to do, let them do it. I kind of actually agree with that now, seriously. And, you know, like I said, I know my Twitter account can be very boring at times, but I tweet what's coming from my heart, not how many likes I can get, you know, because you see people out there, even you look, you look back at the, Hannah Kimura, suicide. Everybody, can we just be a little nicer to each other? And then everybody, you know, professes that love. I told you a week ago the formula of what people do. And then what they do is they go right back to it, and then they hide it with jokes. You know, oh, I was just fucking around. Oh, putting all these people down for liking this person or liking this promotion or liking this. I'm just joking. No, it's a, it's a goop. Ah, ah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's toxic. And the more this goes on, the more 
I say to my fiance, the more I say to all of you out there, that at this point, I don't follow Trump on social media anymore. I don't follow anybody in politics on social media anymore. The way I feel at this particular moment, that for the rest of my life, I want to spend as much time with my family as they're still physically on this earth. I want to enjoy my life with my fiance. I want to enjoy wrestling. I want to enjoy these shows that I do for all of you out there. I want to enjoy our interaction. I don't want to be heavily into debt. I want to just enjoy a nice, comfortable life. And then I'm dead. I could care less about $30 trillion in debt. I could care less of what's going to be left for our grandchildren and this, this, and that. Because no matter how upset I get, no matter how you want to do every little thing by the book, nothing seems to penetrate. And you see tonight, I can't stand CNN. I hate that show. I swear to God, I've watched the Bellas on, and it's nothing personal with the Bellas. I, I'd rather watch the Bellas on a marathon. I'd rather be like the beginning of that robot chicken episode where they take like toothpicks and put it in the eyes and I'm forced to watch Bellas for the next 38 hours. I'd rather do that than watch CNN. And I see this guy get arrested yesterday live on TV. Then I see today the CNN center getting torched. And a lot of people don't even realize that a lot of the shit that's going on tonight is Antifa. It's not even black versus white or white versus black. You know, this country, there's so, and I talked about this a month ago. Coronavirus is a very serious flu that is very catchy. But the idea of, you know, and I brought this up, I think on Patreon two weeks ago. You know, our, gov our Governor Cuomo is slick. And I promise you, we're going to get into wrestling right now. I promise you. But our governor is slick. And I, I brought this up weeks ago, that there's so much power and it's so addictive that they use this to really push a power and like a, a parent narrative. Cuomo ain't my fucking mother or father. You know, we trusted them for two months. All right, my fiance, thank God somebody from Department of Labor sent me a PM today and I'm going to give some help for some of you out there that may not have gotten your pandemic unemployment later. But somebody from Department of Labor actually reached out to me on Twitter today for my fiance. No bullshit. But the thing is, is that, you know, we trusted our government for the first two months of this stuff to, you know, slow down the spread so our hospitals would not get overwhelmed. That's what it was. Now that turned into something totally different. So we trusted our government, yet our government doesn't trust us. Now we're going to reopen in New York in, in June 6th, you know, which is like another week from now. And they're going to do 25% and 30%. Fuck you. I can't tell you how many people are just going to open up and let's see what the fuck happens. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. And I'm going to give a lot of names later. Black name, black men, mostly men, maybe one or two women that have been profiled and killed by cops over the years. I know some places out there have compiled a list. Some of them have copied over other people's plate. When I get, in, get into my list, people are going to get blown away by it because I actually did my own research. But let's talk about wrestling. You know, just because there's so much bullshit in this world doesn't mean that we can't talk about positive things as well. And you know what? Before I go any further, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, oh, we can't put this small picture. We got to show that. You know, I was talking very recently about Bray Wyatt and the lack of use with him on WWE television for the last several months. I had no idea that Bray Wyatt and JoJo we're expecting a second child. 
They are the proud new parents of a new daughter, Hyrie Von Rotunda. That is their child. There is another picture floating around of Jojo holding their child. And I just want to just say congratulations. Absolutely awesome. And uh, since we're on the topic of babies, we just saw the baby. Now we see the womb. Seth Rollins' birthday, I believe, was yesterday. Becky Lynch paid a beautiful tribute to, to Seth Rollins. And she posted a sonogram of their soon-to-be child. And that is the actual photo of the sonogram. So we had the baby. Now we have the womb. And then we have the goofy podcaster. You know, social media. If you take all their negative tweets, put it aside, they have nothing. So, yeah, so we had the baby, the womb, and the podcaster. So I just figured I should add. And, and uh, you know, look, God bless Bray Wyatt and JoJo. God bless Becky Lynch and uh, Seth Rollins. I mean, I, that's nice to see. And, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with being happy about things like that. But, um, hey, you know, it's, I, I posted this on Twitter yesterday. I don't have the, the photo in front of me because it was one of those GIF files. You call it GIF a GIF. I call it GIF. But, um, you know, it was animated, you know, files. And I took screenshots of Seth Rollins' career from NXT to the present. And what I found interesting, you can go see for yourself. You go to my Twitter, at Don Tony D, and you'll see it too. You look at Seth Rollins' career from NXT to the present, you could see the progression of his career based on how, man, how much facial hair he has. I don't know if you've noticed that, but when he first started in Seth, uh, in, in, when Seth Rollins started in NXT, he had facial hair, but it was rather light. And as he's progressed over these years, little more, little more, little more, little more. You see him right now, I'm telling you, it's, it's almost like when a girl finally it starts getting like, you know, pubic hair down there. And then the next thing you know, it's like Vanessa Del Rio Bush. That's what it looks like. You got to see his progression of his career. You could actually match it with his facial hair. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So, ah, yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. And, you know, I'll tell you something else. We'll get right back to wrestling that I'm a little disappointed with. Just to show you what I mean as far as, you know, how talking about good things on social media many times gets no attention. People, misery loves company. You know, I announced that I was thinking about tonight, any Super Chat contributions that come in, I'll give it to the Minnesota Freedom Fund because that is a fund that is a charitable cause that has to do with what's going on in Minnesota right now. I saw a lot of people donating to it. Liv Morgan donated $1,000, got a lot of news over it. A lot of other people have donated very generously. And I thought, you know, maybe that's a nice thing to do. I got a couple of PMs from a few people who usually contribute for my work and said, hey, you know, I, I think change.org is actually a little bit better, you know, as far as so. I go on social media and I said to everybody, I'm like, hey, you know, everybody, what do you think? Should we, you know, donate it to change.org instead or keep it the way it is? Do you know how many people responded? Zero. But when I talked about how, you know, Jeff Hardy was going to be set up by Sheamus and show back at SmackDown at 9.57 p.m., you know, and somehow he's not arrested anymore, you know, every, everybody wants to talk about that. It just, just goes to show you. Just goes to show you. But anyway, speaking of SmackDown tonight, you know, I thought it was fine. Um, 
you know, if I could try to put aside coronavirus, the, the tragedy in, in Minnesota, just, you know, just the, the, all the hatred right now, and just really try to think clarity with the Jeff Hardy storyline, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as upset as other people out there. I think there's just some people out there that, you know, just get triggered over the smallest little things. Um, I remember when they used Road Warrior Hawks, you know, real life addiction battles and put it in storyline. And, you know, when he fell off of, you know, the the top of the Raw, I think it was, or the Titantron, you know, that, that was just, you know, to simulate that the guy fell to almost his death, it was just very uncomfortable. And then the fucking guy dies, you know, not too long after that. You know, it just was in bad taste. You know, I don't know if this is as deep as people are trying to interpret it today. I don't like real life addictions being put in a storyline. But hell, I don't remember people in a crazy uproar when they did the storyline with Jericho and CM Punk. You know, real life battles have become storylines. Sometimes the storylines actually could be better because the person can relate to the storyline as not just acting in the storyline. Um, so, you know, if Jeff Hardy, so I, I truthfully believe, you know, WWE's been blamed for a lot of stuff over the years and a lot rightfully so. But I truthfully believe that in this climate that we're in, as much as some will say, no, there's no way. I truthfully believe with Jeff Hardy really battling addiction and abuse and really turning the corner right now and is really on top of it and he's got his family, he's with not just his family at home, but his WWE family and friends worldwide. I truthfully believe that WWE went to him and said, look, you know, if you feel uncomfortable in this in any way, shape, or form, we will not do this. And I know some people may say on the sur surface, oh, well, Jeff wouldn't dare go against WWE because there goes his push and maybe he'll get buried in this and that. You know, it's not a bad argument to make. The problem is, is you don't work there. I don't work there. We don't know what's going on in the meetings. So, you know, the perception could be that it's very, very cold. I don't think that that's the case. I think WWE right now, because they don't want a death from abuse, steroids, you know, criminal activity, they don't want any deaths on their watch. So I don't think WWE would really put Jeff Hardy in an uncomfortable situation if he didn't want to do this himself. And you know what? Maybe doing this is a little bit therapeutic for him. You know, I, I, I can't speak for Road Warrior Hawk, you know, because unfortunately we don't have much in the form of interviews and after that, how he felt and this, this and that. I know other people have interpreted and I know other people have said that Hawk told them this and Hawk told them that, you know, when someone dies, you know, I could say that Hawk talked talk to me too, you know, and some of the people I believe are very honest in what they say, but I think WWE really would not have done this if Jeff Hardy was against it at all. Um, you know what it reminds me of, too? It reminds me of when Eddie died. 
and they were using the storyline and keeping Eddie in the storyline and, um, you know, just real heinous stuff. And I think JBL was in on the storyline. And I remember a lot of fans, because I was doing my hotline at the time, and I remember a lot of fans being very uncomfortable with, you know, like just using Eddie in a storyline after he was dead. And a lot of people came public and said, look, you know, and we didn't even have social media like we do now. Because I think if we had social media back then, a lot of this would have been cleared up sooner. But, you know, Eddie, when he was alive, didn't mind if they used this. Hell, I even joked when I was still doing stuff working for Indies that if I ever fucking died, fucking do whatever you want, man. Keep my fucking name out there, you know, whatever it is. You know, unfortunately, you know, I, I sucked and nobody gave a shit. And I don't blame them. But, you know, I just... um I just think that people out there, you know, if Jeff reveals later on that he was very uncomfortable about this, then you rip WWE. But, you know, to rip them right now when you don't know the story, I think that's a little bit unfair, in my opinion. Um, So a lot of uh, rumors online that WWE is nixing the Sasha Banks, Bailey storyline, the feud, and this and that. I just think they may be taking another scenic route. Remember we used the rest station, you know, Tamina, you know, on the path to Bailey, Sasha Banks. We're still in a pandemic. Things are going to slowly get back to normal. Here in New York, they're going to open up New York City June 6th, a week from now. You know, like I said earlier, fuck the 25% and all this stuff. I'm going to still wear a mask. I'm going to still be very careful. I'm going to still get tested every week or every other week. And I'm going to do my part so I don't get sick and I don't get anybody I love sick. That's what I what I plan on doing regardless. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, in a lot of other areas, case in point, we have NXT TakeOver in your house next weekend. And all these reports are going around. And this was because some people actually saw a a little bit of the commotion outside the building. Because there are fans that do go around that area and they see things and they see, of course, they're not allowed, you know, within the premises. But apparently, WWE filmed the match between Velveteen Dream. What school did you go to? What school did you go to? It's amazing still, everybody, right? Right? It's amazing how many people got that shit wrong. It's just amazing how many people got that shit wrong. Um, yeah, I, to catch a goof. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll share that later. But um, I'll shout everybody out with Super Chats in a moment. But, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how people immediately jump to crucify people without a shred of proof. You know, or they don't want to take the time to look up the proof. It's it's so fucking bad when you see it. But Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole, they had the match. Now, for all of these people with their great sources that apparently know all this stuff, how come they don't know the outcome? The out, It appears that this match went down outdoors. It appears that WWE had a lot of the uh, talent show up with their cars. And instead of parking in the parking lot, they had them go around, I believe, behind maybe Full Sail or wherever they filmed it, and they had cars surrounding the ring. Now, I don't know if it's going to be like a John Cena, Eddie Guerrero street fight, 
because I don't think they're going to invest that kind of cash, you know, damaging rental cars or anything like that. But, um, hey, you know, it, it, you're going to see slowly. I talked about it on Wednesday, you know, good for ICW, that the end of June, they're going to be doing an event in Atlantic City that's going to be a drive-in theme. And I think by July, you're going to start seeing a lot of indie events uh, happening outdoors, not necessarily just staying in your car. So before you know it, things are going to start getting back to normal. And, you know, even if, and you got to just always keep this thought. That's why when I said last Monday, and I'll take credit for it because I did my show not even five minutes after Raw went off the air. You know, that plexiglass is there to, for fans to get used to it. Because even when a vaccination does arrive in this country, a lot of people are not going to get vaccinated. That is news that's starting to circulate the last day or two, um, which we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks. Less than half of the United States gets vaccinated for flu. And a lot of people don't do it because they're afraid of side effects. Some people don't do it because they're afraid their kids are going to get autism. So there is going to be a big part of our country that will not get vaccinated. You're going to have young people, you're going to have old people, you're going to have kids that are not going to be vaccinated for whatever reasons they give. So WWE, I don't think they can force every wrestler to be vaccinated, but you know damn well that they are going to really, you know, push to their wrestlers like, look, you know, not everybody that's around you, you know, you can't guarantee that they're vaccinated. You go to an airport, you go here, you go there, you might come across someone that's not vaccinated. It's it's not you cannot require it. Now, I know the news is trying to play around with the president saying, "Will you make it mandatory everybody get vaccinated?" You can't do that in a fucking free country, and they know that too. So the plexiglass is going to be there, you know, at least into twenty twenty one. But I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see what they do with Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole. So we will see that match next weekend. And, um, you know, the fact that it is being recorded a week in advance, you know, they can tighten it, they could tweak it, they could trim it, you know, so thank you, Guardian, for that. You know, I'll always talk real life issues. If it's unpopular, if you don't, if you want to go check out, and I'm not saying this to be a jerk, I don't want anybody to leave. In fact, if you're enjoying this episode, I appreciate if you hit the like button. You know, I don't get any money from it. But it may give a recommendation to someone else out there that, hey, you know, check out this show. And they may, and you know, even though I'm around 23, almost 24 years now, a lot of people don't even know, you know, that I, that I ever existed. In fact, I think June 9th, I believe, is my anniversary from when I started my wrestling hotline. I started my wrestling hotline, I believe, June 9th, 1997, right after Wrestlepalooza 1997, when Jerry Lawler showed up in the ECW arena, and King of the Ring 1997, when Triple H won it. He was supposed to win it in 96, and he won it in 97 because WWF had him eat a plate of shit for about nine months. And um, at that time, I used to be a guest on a lot of other wrestling hotlines out there. Dominic Valente, Captain Ivan, this other one, the here, here, here. And I had so many people saying over and over again, you know, Funker, because I wasn't known as Don Tony at the time. My favorite wrestler of all time is Terry Funk, and my nickname was Funker. And they were like, Funker, you got to do your own hotline. You know, just do opinion, talk views. I didn't have any real sources or anything like that. So I decided that on that Monday, I think it was June 9th, 1997, I ventured in doing a wrestling hotline. 
And I tell you, I wish I had the footage from there. Unfortunately, in 1997, we didn't have these digital recorders or anything like that. It was done through a telephone. It wasn't until 1999 or 2000 that I thought of the idea. You know, in the cordless phones, they have the side plug. You plug it in where you could listen with headphones. I came up with this idea in 99 or 2000 that, hey, if I plug this side of the cordless telephone and then the other side, I plug it in the red jack in the back of my computer. Then I could dial my hotline number and the audio goes in my computer and I could play it on the internet for everybody that can't afford the toll charges. That was my idea in 99, 2000. I wish I would have thought of that in 1997 because I was the most God awful wrestling hotline guy in the world. I can't tell you how bad I was. If you even listen to me in 2000, I sound like a goof. I absolutely. And you know, some of you on Patreon have heard some of the hotline reports. I, I'll share a couple in the very near future. Oh my God, worse than Brad Shepard. I mean, Brad Shepard is just an asshole. You know, he, he's an asshole at clickbait. I never really did clickbait, but talk about somebody boring and monotonous, no personality, I couldn't, I, I couldn't make anybody, I never even attempted jokes. I would just read stuff word for word. I, I used to be the very person of the people that I rip right now, times a thousand, times a thousand. So yeah, so in June, you know, we'll have some fun. By the way, I, I don't know if you notice the camera setup and the lighting is a little bit different tonight. Um, I actually was playing around with a few things because if anybody's into like, cams and all that. I use a Logitech Brio right now. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm actually getting a real camera, you know, a real camera with the glass lens and everything. And that will be for the podcasts in probably in starting in July. It's going to make the video look dramatically better, like 4k quality. You know, I, I know I don't need to go that route, but I want everything to be as good as possible. So I was playing around with some settings tonight just to mess around a little bit. Plus, I wanted to make sure that tonight when I'm doing the show, that maybe sometimes if I'm sitting up proper, remember posture in school, posture, that you actually get to see a little bit of uh, Shad Gasper. That's my little tribute to him. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, does anybody else get their shirts yet? I mean, I don't think anybody actually heard my show, you know, last week and like, oh, I hope I get it in time for next Friday's Don Tony show. I don't think anybody was like, yo, get that shirt out now. Get that shirt out now. So uh, big shout out to Mish, Wrestling Soup. For our patrons, Mish and I are going to be doing breakfast soup Saturday night instead of Sunday. And the reason why is because um, June 1st is Monday. We have a lot of international friends on our Patreon. And if we did the show Sunday evening in a lot of areas overseas, that would already be June 1st, which means that they would have to renew for June just to hear this episode. I didn't think that was fair. Of course, I want everybody to renew for June, but we wanted to make sure that we did it a day early. So it will be Saturday night live. Um, sometime between 4 and 6 p.m. will be the start time. And I hope all of you out there have had the chance to see the, uh, you know, the, his podcast, to hear him talking about Hanukkah Mora and Hafu 
and a lot of the battles that she went through because, you know, that is something that a lot of people don't know. And you know what? God bless, you know, Thunder Rosa because she paid a nice tribute to Hana Kimura as well. And she, she's, she knows her and she got into Hafu as well. And, you know, it, it, I guarantee you for her, uh, for, even for wrestlers that never met her, you know, I saw a beautiful tribute uh, from a, a few people out there. And I think for a lot of her friends or even her friends that may have just interacted with her a handful of times, it's therapeutic. And plus, I think, you know, somewhere looking down, Hana Kimura wants all her friends to smile, you know, to smell the flowers. And if you'll know if you're a fan of her, you know why I say that. They don't want, you know, even Shad Gaspard, I don't think he wants anybody to, you know, be really sad and down and depressed. He wants everybody to smile. And if you really care or if he ever touched you before or if he touched you in dying, that, you know, doing something, learning something from him, you know, just trying to be a little bit of a better person. I guarantee you for every person out there, they're smiling and looking down. That's why... You know, I, I, I hate having to repeat myself, and I damn will never, I will never keep my mouth quiet, you know, and simply because other people, you know, think that I can't handle it, or I get triggered, or I'm this, or I'm that, you know, the, the, the labels out there. And this is also, every single one of you out there, I don't care if it's pro wrestling or racism, I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, Independent. I don't care if it's something religious, your views on gay marriage, your views on anything in this world. Never feel guilty for changing your views, evolving, learning, and just just having a different outlook on a lot of things. Because it's amazing how, you know, if you keep in tune with others out there, they're your friend. They'll talk to you, socialize with you. And then when you start changing your views from here, not based on how many likes, but from here, you see right away that people will start turning on you, making little shots at you, indirect jokes. and that. Never feel guilty for having a change of view on anything. If those people cannot respect your change of opinion on anything, then you don't, they don't deserve your respect. Seriously. Social media might end up being a little bit more of a lonely page for you out there, but it's nice to know that you don't have any drama queens, you know, surrounding your lives. My God, my pin, page, that tweet that's pinned on my social media right now, you know, I didn't social distance myself from people to be an asshole. I still love fucking Mish and I, I, I love everybody online that I commingle with. But, you know, I become very much introverted in a lot of ways. And the more I become introverted, you know, just for some reason, the happier I feel. You know, just I try to take the energy from the negative and try to turn it into a positive. And unfortunately for some people out there, that is PC. That is being a pussy. That is being a turncoat. That is being a softy. That is virtual signaling, whatever that's called. That's, you know, just trying to get... No, it's Anthony de Blasi learning and growing and changing over the years. It's just the way it is. So anyway, um, so getting back to SmackDown today, uh, you know, 
not a bad show. You know, if you look at the matches, I know, I know, from Wednesday, on paper, if you look at the matches on paper, you know, it wasn't as eventful as you, you think. You know, the Battle Royal was just kind of like adding a storyline to Jeff Hardy and Sheamus and postponing things for a week. Oh, we're going to have Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan, and we're going to have Elias versus AJ Styles. Remember last week, and we talked about Cesaro not being in this, Drew Gulak? He's back. Yeah, it's another guy. You know, look, is he high on my list on WWE television? No, not at all. I take pride that for at least a half a dozen times in the year 2020, I've showed love and appreciation talking about Drew Gulak on these shows. Just because other people out there don't give a flying fuck about Drew Gulak, you know, when the, when everybody thought that he was released, you know, people are like ripping other people like, oh, suddenly you're a Drew Gulak fan. I mean, that was floated all across the net. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Brody Lee, oh, you know, how many people out there, oh, you know, Luke Harper was never a big, you know, really that popular if it wasn't for the Wyatt family, you know, and um, I remember in good fun, I remember... You know, having a chat with someone, and he said, you know, I don't know anybody that has a Luke Harper shirt. Not going to get up and take him right now because I got boxer shorts on. I'm not going to lie. It's freaking hot in here. It's like 80 degrees outside. Got my fan going. Hopefully the noise is not too loud. Soon we're going to have to have... My face looks pink. Does it, does it look pretty in pink? I could, you know, I could actually... Yeah, you know, that that's the beautiful thing about, you know, doing the show. See, look, I can actually, all right, do I, now I don't look pink anymore. Actually, I think I look, I look like a newborn now. I think I kind of fucked it up even more. I think I look more like a newborn. You know, a newborn, they have that skin that looks like you're afraid to touch it, like your hand's going to go right through them and stuff. I can make a little adjustments here and there. But, um, you know, we had, uh, last week, we go down in the final four. Ranted about Gulak, ranted about Cesaro, a little bit confused as to Elias and AJ Styles, didn't seem to click together. Daniel Bryan, you know, and Jeff Hardy, interesting. We thought it was going to come down to Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in the finals. And we thought that we were going to pretty much have that today. But, you know, they decide, I guess WWE felt that AJ Styles and Elias was not going to be that great of a match. Or they wanted to, they needed, look, when Elias lost to Jeff Hardy last week, I remember talking about this, and I remember a lot of you commenting as well, that we were a little confused that they blew their load with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus so quick, and we were kind of confused that Sheamus lost pretty much clean, like this early. Like, wow, you know, I mean, that that kind of, you, you thought maybe a DQ finish or something like that, but, you know, he lost. And today was pretty much to cover up that loss. You know, so we open up SmackDown. They're in the parking lot. And my God, I'm still trying to find out, you know, hey, oh, yeah, I got it right here. Um, you know, Jeff Hardy, we, well, before we even get to that, Renee Young is in the parking lot. There's EMS. There's this, that, that, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, you know, Elias got like hit by a car or something like that. And they don't know who did it. And, you know, they're looking around. They see the referee. They see EMS. Then all of a sudden, we get we get to see... Ho, ho, ho. Green Giant. 
I have it on cue now. So whenever we talk about Braun Strowman, ho, ho, ho. Green Giants. He's outside, and I am trying to figure out, was he driving a Grand National? Because right behind him, I could swear this was the car that was behind him. Now, that's not the actual car, but that is a car that I fucking fantasized getting in the, in the late 80s. And some of you already know the story. It's the God honest truth. I've told it before that when I went into senior year of high school in St. Francis Prep, I went into senior year with like a 91 average. And my father said to me in senior year, he says, if you graduate, with at least a 90 average, you could have any car you want. And I had three choices that I narrowed it down to. A convertible Eldorado, a Lincoln Mark 7, or a Grand National. Grand National was pretty much out of the picture because they were so goddamn expensive. Grand National is actually a Buick Regal on steroids. That's the best way I could put it. Now, I don't have the picture in front of me, but you remember not too long ago, I showed you some retro pictures of yours truly, and I had that two-tone car that was parked in front of my old house, and half the car was blue and half the car was tan. That's a Buick Regal. If you maybe I could I could pull it up really quick. I don't know if I could pull it up that fast. But if you look at that car and you look at this one, they they look almost identical. That's because it's the same kind of car. One is I'm I'm trying to see if if I have it here. I don't think I do. I ah that sucks, man. I have so oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, I think I I think I found it. I think I found it. Uh well, you know, I found one of them. All right, I found one of them. You could sort of see the front of the car, but here, see the front of this car? That's Buick Regal. That is yours truly in the early 90s. That is a Buick Regal. Now, look at this car. All right, look at that car, and then look at this one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There we go. See that one? And you see this one? They look the same, right? The difference is, is that this is Hulk Hogan, and... This is Gilberg. Or better yet, you know, this is Goldberg, and that's Gilberg. So in the early 90s, I got my Buick, but I just got the Regal. I didn't get the Grand National. Grand National was one of my favorite cars. But unfortunately, I graduated um, high school with an 89.4, uh average because I cut out of school too much, and my father did not get me a car. And I was like, that motherfucker. So eventually, I ended up buying my Lincoln Mark 7. I still have this car to this day. And now you could see why I fucking love the Buick the Grand National so much. If you look at them, they are kind of similar. So I still have this car right now. Now, I did block the plate out because I don't want anybody running my plate and trying to find out where I live. But, um, you know, that car I still have. So I don't know if that was Braun Strowman's car tonight. But that's what I was looking at more than anything else. But then they show Jeff Hardy's in the bushes. He smells like alcohol. The inside of the car smells like alcohol. You know, they're arresting him. They're taking him to the hospital. And, um, you know, he walks by the ambulance. And I don't know how he could identify Elias by just looking at his feet because Elias was in the stretch. And Elias, Elias. Um, unless maybe he knew. But um, they bring him to the hospital. And I immediately wrote, I said, ah, this, they're setting up Seamus, probably Seamus or crappy Corbin. 
And I said, you know, it'll be interesting at 9.57, the blood results will come in from Jeff Hardy and he'll be back for the Daniel Bryan Sheamus match. And that's exactly what happened. This was all to buy another week. If you really think about it, tonight's SmackDown was to milk another week. You had really no progress in Elias versus AJ Styles. Daniel Bryan comes off looking like a goof in the beginning of the night because he could have just advanced to the finals against AJ Styles. And instead, no, I want to have another match. I want to have another match instead. You know, Drew Gulak in storyline. Wasn't Drew Gulak his coach? The minute Daniel Bryan said on that segment that, no, I want to have another match, fucking Drew Gulak should have went up to him and went, what are you... I almost broke my... No, these are the new glasses I got. Ah, then I got fingerprints on them. But Drew Gulak should have slapped him right outside the head and said, what the fuck are you doing? You're in the finals. I didn't teach you that, stupid, stunats. So anyway, uh, he still got fingerprints on him. These glasses are supposed to be guaranteed no fingerprints. I see fingerprints. Sucks. Sucks. Uh, It's it's all right. It'll, It'll have to do. It'll have to do. Unless I start wearing sunglasses and I ain't doing that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, they decide they're going to have a battle royal. All right, no big deal. Drew Gulak, Cesaro, Sheamus, Ziggler, Lince Dorado, Jey Uso, Grand Metalik, which I have now renamed, if you saw my Twitter, Grand Metalive. You know, please, Grand Metalive. Bye-bye. Vamos. You know, go away. Go away. Grand Metalive. Not the parcel, but not Grand Metalik, Grand Metalif. Leave, leave. Adios, amigos. Shinsuke, nice to see him. Uh, Jey Uso, you know, they're trying to get him a little bit of a singles run. Not necessarily with gold right now, but because Jimmy is injured and out for quite some time. Uh, I don't think I left any names out. But we have the Battle Royal, and it's interesting. And, you know, this kind of leads to a, a smaller storyline, you know, with Shorty G and Cesaro. Yeah, Grand Metalif. Seriously, that's what I say. It. You know, you know, just be, be, you know what? What do they say? Be like a tree and leave. Is that like the goofy thing we used to say in grammar school? Why don't you be like a tree and leave? I think from now on, I'm going to say, why don't you be like a, a lucha and Grand Metalif? Seriously, I should be like a lucha in Grand Metalif. Grand Metalif. Bye bye. So, we have a fun little battle royal. I mean, it only went about 10 minutes, but it did what it needed to do. It basically, you know, set up a little bit of a storyline with Seamus getting a little revenge, even though it hasn't been. And by the way, I joked about it today. And it's funny, but it's not funny. The truth, creepy Ali, the truth will be told. Do you realize now that we're now approaching Emelina territory? The first vignette, if I remember correctly, was Valentine's Day. Remember the first, the little tease with the logo, Ali, creepy Ali's logo? And if you don't know why I say creepy Ali, it's nothing against him personally. It's just, you know, if you think back to all of the things that his cameras caught, you know, it's kind of like perverted that you have cameras going in the locker room. You know, what would have happened if, you know, you have the camera, I'm talking storyline, if you had the camera in the locker room and then Sonia DeVille decides, you know, hey, I'm going to go take a shower, pull the thing off. And by the way, you know, it's it's a shame so many people that did not get the little spoof that happened tonight with Otis and Mandy Rose. Now, yeah, it kind of depresses me about my age because pretty much 
only fans that are probably 40s, 50s, and beyond got the reference. But when they did this segment with that cheesy 80s music and um, Otis coming out of the pool and you hear that music, I immediately had the flashback. Phoebe Cates, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Remember the red bikini? I'll tell you this much. I was very surprised that WWE did that. Not because it's an outdated reference. You know, it's a shame that a lot of people will have no idea why they that segment, what I was paying tribute to. But you could just picture kids Googling online about the Otis segment and then seeing the clip of Phoebe Cates taking a top off. You know, that's kind of interesting that they do that. Um, but it was a it was a funny satire of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And um I thought it was it was funny. I thought it was funny. You know, I got the reference because of my age, and yeah, it's kind of depressing that I immediately realized it, but I immediately check social media. I just, I do, look, about 90% of my fo- I fo- people I follow on Twitter, I have on mute. I don't even want to see people's stuff because it gets me really, really, you know, just, it tempts me to really just get upset at people, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. I totally respect people that have different views towards yours truly, whether it's politics or other stuff, even though I'm not enamored with our president for a while now. But um, I'd rather just mute it so I don't even see it. It's kind of like the last couple of days. After seeing some of these things that's going on with these riots, I'd turn the TV off because all it was doing was just getting me angry and outraged because I know in my heart, I'm not racist. I know in most of your hearts out there, if not all of you, none of you are racist out there. And I, and you know, to think that you judge, you know, a whole class of people based on their political affiliation or their race or their gender or their sexual orientation, this, this, and that, I just don't even want to hear it. And then you see the CNN stuff tonight and you realize that, you know, these aren't, you know, Trump supporters that are, you know, rioting in the streets. You know, why would they damage CNN? You know, it's just, there are people out there that just, you know, trying to ruin this country, Antifa and others, and they, and they use tragedies as a way to mingle in. You know, you, you look at it closely and you see some of the devastation, you realize those weren't people in an outrage of what happened to Mr. Floyd. Those are people that are using his death as a reason to cause destruction. And that's fucking terrible. But when we talk a little bit later about it, you'll understand why these fires and this rioting, it needed to happen. It needed to happen. I, I when I Hear me out later. Hear what I have to say. If you disagree still, as long as you respect my view, I respect your view. But this had to happen. It's the... I, it, People have been nice and peacefully done stuff for way too long. And these dirty cops, these hicks in Georgia that fucking did to what they did to Ahmad Abre, anybody that, you know, that, that looks at someone simply based on the color of their skin and stereotyping them, that the next time they do it, they'll think twice like, holy shit, my fucking entire neighborhood could get ruined over it. You think where I live over here that I would ever do something that would cause riots in my neighborhood and fuck up my friends' houses and businesses? It, it scares you into thinking like, I ain't fucking going to do anything that's going to jeopardize my... If I really love my... See, all these people, I love my country. I love my neighborhood. I love my town. 
I love my neighbors. I love this. Well, if you if you love them so much, you don't fucking get careless like that and, you know, put yourself... It's, that's narcissism. But, yeah, we'll talk about that later. So, anyway, you know, this is the scenic route. It's amazing how we could talk about wrestling and racism at the same time. Really. I mean, it's not fun, but it's, you know, it's it's a little bit interesting and, you know, fascinating that a lot of you out there, you know, kind of are fine with mixing the two, talking about it. You know, you have a little balance here. Um, but getting back to wrestling, let's stay on wrestling for a little while. Um, so this is the scenic route. You know, they had Jeff Hardy win last week. Remember how these are taped. Remember that they do two weeks at a time. So, you know, when Jeff Hardy beats Seamus clean and it's left with a lot of people like, wow, Seamus lost already clean, blah, 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 blah. Da, da, da. You know, all right, well, we need to cover that up a little bit. All right, so the focus now will be somebody framed Jeff Hardy. And, you know, look, could it be an unpredictable person doing it? Sure, it could. But WWE, especially on Fridays, remember, this is not WWE on Fox. This is Fox on WWE. They got to keep some things simple. You know, especially when you look at the demographics that actually watch SmackDown, you know, they, they don't want kids' brains exploding because, oh, it's got to be Sheamus. No, no, it's, it it's got to be Sheamus. Look at last week. It's, it's got to be Sheamus. Look at everything that Sheamus said tonight during SmackDown. It's got to be Sheamus. It's got to be Sheamus. And then next week, it's Jason Jordan. The dads go, you know, sometimes simpler is better. So, this is the scenic route. This is the cover-up his loss. This is the cover-up Elias and AJ Styles. I don't know if Elias has an injury. I don't know if this is going to set up ultimately a feud of Sheamus and Elias. I don't know if Corbin was involved as well. That's why I said Sheamus and Creepy Corbin wouldn't be surpri surprising to me if they were in cahoots with each other. Remember, Braun Strowman thought he witnessed something. So, you know, I think you kind of, unless Sheamus was wearing all like Antifa-like outfits, I think you probably could spot the mayonnaise-type skin, you know, with this, the steering wheel, you know? There's no tint on the windows, remember, you know? Maybe you should have used a, a, an old car with tint, but they didn't. So we have Sheamus win the Battle Royal. This leads to a little hybrid match between Shorty G and Cesaro, which was very good while it lasted. But um, anybody out there that thinks that Cesaro is getting buried because Shorty G won a match, it's the opposite, man. Cesaro, I've said this in the past. I said it as recent as last week. Cesaro is one of the most reliable wrestlers on that roster. Yes, wish he would get some gold right now. Yes, you kind of wish that he would be a little bit higher on the food chain. But Cesaro is one of the perfect people to try to help build some people up a little bit. Will one Shorty G win suddenly escalate Shorty G? Absolutely not. When he's running around all shocked that he got a win, you know, that shows you how much WWE has demeaned his value. Um, but, you know, Cesaro doesn't lose any any stock by losing right now. But again, you know, it's just, once again, just he's they're using him right now to help some others. Maybe ultimately he gets rewarded with some type of a title run, but he's not one of those guys that, you know, 
I mean, if you even look at the champions right now, Braun Strowman, you know, babyface. You look at, you know, some of the other champions out there. You know, you got a tournament right now. And, who you know, I, I still want AJ Styles to win it. And by the way, if you haven't checked out AJ Styles' interview yet uh, that he did with Corey Graves, it's excellent. You know, he does talk about the club a little bit. He talks about Gallows and Anderson. And, you know, SmackDown actually is, I don't want to say therapeutic for him, but he feels somewhat guilty of their release. Another interview that's out there that's pretty damn good as well is an interview that Alexa Bliss did. And we'll talk about her match in a a little, in a moment. But Alexa Bliss did uh, an interview. Oh, I had it written down over here. She did it with... um, Oh, shit. Oh, BT Sport. And she was talking about how she started getting really worried that she may have to retire from in-ring action because of multiple concussions. And she was suffering really severe bouts with vertigo. She was suffering from lots of dizziness. You know, she had that one time that we thought she was coming back, and then it was almost like so you could see she was suffering big-time with the concussions, the, the, the repercussions, you know, just the remnants of it. And, you know, they had her, that's why the, you know, a moment of bliss became, and she hosted mania and stuff like that. But, um, well, you know, up until now, I always called it a moment to piss or recently an iconic moment to piss. But, you know, after all the controversy that went on, you know, with JD and others, I have actually changed it from an iconic moment to piss to an iconic moment to miss. So I have replaced piss with miss for the time being. You know, I, I've always said I don't dislike Alexa Bliss at all. And a lot of times in the past, and you you think I'm full of it, go rewind it. You'll see it for yourself. Many episodes, I would always start it off by saying, you know, she's inspirational. Go see her backdrop to her story and this and that. It's just in the ring you know, I don't think, you know, she, and I used to always say she's much better than what she was a couple of years ago. But to me, and I know this is, insults a lot of people out there, but I truthfully believe that Liv Morgan actually and Mandy Rose to a certain extent have actually gotten a lot better at their craft than Alexa Bliss. I almost feel it sometimes that Liv Morgan has leapfrogged Alexa Bliss in the talent department. Um, doesn't mean that Alexa Bliss isn't the number one blonde, as some people like to call her. Um, but hey, you know, it is what it is. So, um, so go check out that interview with, uh, Alexa Bliss and BT Sport. It's actually not a bad interview. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's pretty good. It really is. So, but getting back to SmackDown tonight, um, we had, before we talk about Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks and all that, we had the match with Lacey Evans and Sonya Deville. Uh, only lasted, you know, five or six minutes. An excellent brawl, I tell you. Even though, you know, it, it ended up outside the ring and, you know, it was a double count out. This is to continue. Again, this episode was to buy another week. Almost everything this week was to buy another week. I expect a rematch with Shorty G and Cesaro. I expect a rematch between Lacey Evans and Sonya Deville. Um, wouldn't surprise me if maybe this is being designed to try to, you know, segue Sonya Deville a little bit away from, you know, the Mandy Rose storyline. They want to focus on Mandy Rose and, um, and Otis. So, uh, 
But Nikki Cross tonight, I mean, yeah, look, that's her best friend, quote-unquote. You know, I'm sure that they're close in real life. But after a little while, man, it got so fucking annoying. But, um, you know, Lexi, Lexa, Lexi, Lexa, Lexi. Oh, it got so fucking annoying. But, you know, it's meant to be annoying, but still, I was just, ah. But um, for me tonight, I enjoyed Sonya Deville and Lacey Evans a hell of a lot more than I enjoyed Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss. Um, Sonya Deville, and I've said this before, Asuka, to me, is the MVP of the COVID era as far as regular WWE television goes. I think Sonya Deville could arguably be the MVP for SmackDown as far as empty arena for at least the last month or so. She's really she's really maximized her time and she's really shown that she actually does have, you know, a much bigger personality and when you could incorporate and I brought this up before with Eddie Kingston and others when you could incorporate real life a little bit in storylines you can relate to it more. You can have natural reaction a little more. That's why I'm not sure if I really dislike the Jeff Hardy, you know, uh, treatment tonight as much as others. Because, you know, this is something he could relate to. And, you know, if it ends up being Seamus, whoever set him up, you know, as far as, you know, TV goes, is a much bigger asshole. You know, if it ends up that he, if there was a live crowd, and next week it's revealed that Sheamus set up Jeff Hardy and poured alcohol on him and something like that. You could just imagine the crowd going, asshole, asshole. And speaking of crowd, you know, they had NXT stars again today. You know, I don't mind it. It's better than what it was before. It has energy, which is very important. There were times tonight I kind of forgot about, you know, the crowd, the regular fans not being there. But... You know, if I'm going to complain, and I think I have a right to, you know, it's too clear-cut. Cheer the baby faces, jeer the heels. You know, it just I think there should be a little bit of a, a middle ground, and you don't feel like there's any middle ground whatsoever. Um, and then we had the official announcement today of somebody coming to SmackDown. So anyway, Sonya Deville, Lacey Evans, double count out. Great match. I see a rematch coming very, very soon. Um, remember, uh, two weeks from this weekend is the uh, the next WWE pay-per-view backlash. So who knows? Maybe that carries into pay-per-view. Not sure. You know, we'll see what happens next week on SmackDown. Now, you know, we had, uh, you know, a little bit of interaction with uh, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, New Day, you know, eh, you know, it is what it is. You know, like I said, New Day is very important for WWE SmackDown on Fox. It's it's obvious, and, you know, they have pretty much milked their championship run. Even before they won the titles, you could see how they're being utilized on Friday nights. So this is basically for the foreseeable future. Um if WWE thinks that the Forgotten Sons of Bitches are going to magically get over, especially with what's going on in this world, I'm telling you, they're out of their minds. It's nothing personal with those three guys, but 
you know, at least with aces and 0.8s, when I used to joke about that faction, at least it had some familiar faces in there. And I'm talking like, you know, like familiar faces in the sense that if you showed pictures of some of the members of aces and 0.8s to 100 fans, that probably about 80 to 90 of those fans would identify many of those faces. If I put up those faces to 100 wrestling fans outside an event and say, who that, who this, who this, I guarantee you maybe five, maybe five would identify them. And the problem is, is that there's no live crowd there. And if you look online closely, and again, I mute almost everybody on social media because I don't want to get caught in like, you know, having you know, difference of words. And I'd rather just express my thoughts and people like them, they like them. People don't like them, they don't like them. But I do do general Twitter searches just to see the instant. And I don't do it on Facebook because Facebook is more of a blog when you post. On Twitter, it's instantaneous reaction, instant reaction. Something happens, you do a general search, hit the the, the recent or live one or whatever, instant, instant, instant. And... I could tell you for the last month, looking at social media as SmackDown is going down in real time, whenever the forgotten sons of bitches are on, there is no change on social media's view of these guys. There's no outrage. They can add, you see, the problem is when they're, oh, you know, we've learned our lesson and they're trying to be like former military guys. And that, they got to be fucking controversial, especially right now. You got to be fucking controversial. Just having a chip on your shoulder, go fucking have a beer. Go ride a bike fucking down the mountain trail and go fucking fishing. Go camping. You know, just get off my TV. You know, uh, Grand Metalive. Seriously. There's nothing about them that is getting under people's skin online. They're like, the fuck are these biker ripoffs? That's what it comes across. And I'm sorry, I don't see anytime soon, nothing against him personally, I swear to God, but I just don't see anytime soon a plethora of social media saying, man, I can't wait for New Day to just beat that shit out of the Forgotten Sons. No, seriously, when the Forgotten Sons get on the mic, I come in here and I prepare for the night. Forgotten Sons of Bitches, you know, they're bland, they're bland, they're not you know, extremely recognizable faces. They have the personality of, of cardboard and, you know, just being former military guys and annoyed at the country or annoy how people treat them and having fucking post-concussion syndrome, postpartum syndrome, post-Afghanistan syndrome, whatever the fucking syndrome you say you suffer from. I'm watching an entertaining product. That's what I'm watching from eight to 10 or 8 to 11, I'm watching an entertainment product, and you three ain't entertaining. It's not their fault. In NXT, they did nothing for me either. Seriously. It's like, if I'm sexually aroused, and I want to go, uh, you know, take care of things, I go on online, and I see, you know, uh, an advertisement for winter jackets, and I see a woman wearing a winter coat, and jeans, and full shoes, and gloves, and she's got mittens on, and she's got like a mask covering half her face, and she's got like uh, furry ears. And the only thing I could really see on her is the color of her eyes and maybe her skin color on her face, and I see nothing else. The needle does not move at all. That's what it's like. The Forgotten Sons 
is like, you know, some horny guy wanting to whack off and sees a fucking ad for Sears winter coats. I'm going to do it coats, coats, you know? They don't move the needle at all. You do not entertain me at all. And I don't know what they can do to change that. That's the problem. You know, they could fucking go next week and do the Sergeant Slaughter saying, I want my country back. Go. Grand Metalif. Not interested. So, getting back, you know, we have uh, Nikki and Alexa Bliss. Lexi. Lexi. Trying to provoke Bailey and Sasha. And this leads to a match. You know, Lexi loses to Sasha Banks. Just felt like buying another week. You know, they took the scenic route for the road to Bailey versus Sasha. And they stopped at the Tamina pit stop to relieve themselves. And now they fucking saw like a, a farm selling like homegrown peaches. Oh, look, look. We got uh, the the Bliss the Bliss Cross Farm over there. Let's go stop and pick apples. That's what it is. So, warning, warning, August Force warning, 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 warning. No, I haven't done the shout outs yet, but I will do I will do the shout outs. I promise in five minutes. You have my word. I do not forget about anybody. I just wanted to blend in with uh, some of the discussion, so I have it. Oh, oh, all right. But but you know what? In this case, because, you know, people just never get enough of it. Yeah, this is for you, the RCWR show. What's up, Lee? Ho, ho, ho. Green Giants. He's a fuck. Look, you know, he could. And you know what's sad about it? I fucking love Grand Nationals. I, I wanted that car so bad as a kid. And to see this guy come out of there, you know what it's like? It's like when you have a crush on like a supermodel. And look, I'm heterosexual. That's why I bring up heterosexual examples. But that's like if I, when I was a kid, I used to have a crazy crush on Cindy Crawford. And then all of a sudden, like Cindy Crawford comes out of like a limousine with her new husband. And her new husband looks like, you know, twice the size of Otis with a lot of acne. Looks like he's sweating Bruce Mitchell style and everything. And like, ah, oh, what a letdown. Or better yet, you know, you, you have like a, a fantasy girl, you know, a model or something. And then, you know, you realize that it's all cakey makeup and, you know, it's like all cover-up stuff. And you see the person, it's like that original Star Trek episode with Captain Pike. That, you know, Captain Pike was always, you know, fucked up in the in the, the little cube. But, you know, anybody ever rem ever hear my analogy? Any How many Star Trek fans we got out there? You remember the episode with Captain... I'm not talking about the remake, Captain Pike. I'm talking about the one from 67. Remember that episode with Captain Pike? I That's my favorite Star Trek episode that really focuses on someone that's not like the main crew, even though, you know, like the very young Leonard Nimoy was fun. The original pilot. You know why I love that episode? Not the fucking aliens with the, you know, like on the, on the sides. What I loved about it is... That pretty much describes me since my car accident in 1996. I swear to God. And for anybody out there that's into Star Trek, it, it reminds me of drugs. That pilot episode is drugs. It's exactly what it is. I'm on painkillers since 1996 because I have excruciating pain. I have a spinal stimulator inside me right now. I got a fucking battery pack inside my lower back right now to try to help with the pain. And the thing is, is that I take painkillers 
you know, and I could move around, I could clean, I tried wrestling, I tried this, I tried that, and I feel, you know, I can have a somewhat of a normal life. The painkillers wear off, I'm like this. I'm like this, I can't move around. And I'm not trying to be a Trump making fun of, I'm just like, I can't move, I'm stuck. You know, that's what Christopher Pike was. He was, that's what painkillers do. That's that's the Oxycontin, a codone rec episode, Oxycontin. Take the oxys. He could walk around. He could mingle. He could fuck green chicks. He could do this and do that. And the painkillers wear off. He's in a box. That's what that episode is all about. So, Metallica. Do I think Bailey is a heel? Is a flop? No, no. They haven't done much recently, but that is someone who you thought would be a lifer as far as a baby face, and she is a believable heel. Yeah, when she trash talks, sometimes a little bit too much. It feels forced, absolutely. But I think Bailey has done an excellent job as a heel. Excellent. And, um, you know, there's a lot of young kids disappointed at her change. But when she does ultimately change back with as a baby face, it'll be enjoyed even more. I agree, Jody. Bailey's definitely a much better face. Problem is, is that, you know, the way she was, there was only a certain level to go with her. And you felt that it was very stagnant for a little while. So this attitude change and turn and heel allowed her to feud with all the baby faces. So she had a new crop of people to go against. And she reinvented her character. I remember people making fun. See, that's why, look, you know, aesthetics is a very important part of wrestling. Pleasantly, pleasant seeing, you know, objects on TV is, is fun. You know, sexy stuff for some people is fun. But I don't base my wrestling fandomhood as how much my penis could move because, you know, so, the way someone looks on TV. It was amazing that she turned heel and she changed her haircut and I see all these goofs making fun of her hair. Like, you're making fun of her hair? You know, that's what it comes down to. And then one time she wears like a pair of sexy boots or somebody shows a picture of her in tights and her, and you could see like the chunkiness of her ass. Then all of a sudden, wow, her heel turn is amazing. She, you know, I got to give it to Bailey. So that's what it's come down to. You could pretty much figure out the way people judge Bailey sometimes or some of these women, you could figure out who is lonely at home. And honestly, you know, just, basing people's careers on how many times they could whack off to them. And I don't I don't choose to do that. I try to be a little bit more thorough. I think Bailey has done an excellent job as being a heel. Um it's gonna be interesting when they do do this turn, which has to happen. You've gone this far. You know, it ain't no turning back. It's like you drive the from New York to Florida and now you're in fucking South Carolina. You ain't gonna turn around and say, Mommy, I want to go home want to go home oh, fuck that we're already in south carolina yeah we're finishing that trip you know this this it's not like they they left new york and is still in staten island and the bailey heel turn is that quick and you know, oh, i want to go home i didn't want to go no they've gone this far they gotta they gotta go further that's why i was surprised at how many people the last couple of days were talking about the idea that sasha and bailey was being tossed i don't see that at all milking it because of COVID and blowing their load one shot at a time. You know, you got some of these 
men out there and even women, God bless both of them, that can actually uh, let it out, you know, let it go more than once in a very short period of time. WWE ain't one of them. You know, they got to blow their load one shot at a time. Oh, we're going to focus on Jeff Hardy right now and everything else. We'll just push aside for a week. That's why the Daniel Bryan all thing tonight with AJ Styles, it felt like it was just pushed aside for an extra week. That's what it felt like. Even though next week was supposed to technically be the finals, even though I think they may even do it at Backlash. But uh, thank you, Donald. Thank you. And I'm actually, I see your finger. If everybody out there, if you're enjoying the show, um, again, I don't mean to be a, a um, you know, broken record, but uh, obviously it definitely gives me a little more exposure. If you like the show, give it a thumbs up. If you like the channel, subscribe. Doesn't cost anything. We're almost at eleven thousand four hundred, which is awesome. I tell you, you know, which is which is funnier too, because I always talk about goofy podcasters and websites and haters out there. And uh, Dell's my friend. It's not insecurity. It's just that I will call them out, and it amazes me because today. I get the Gaspard shirt. I wanted to put up a preview for tonight's show. I had no picture. I didn't know if I wanted to use a picture related to what's going on in Minnesota, paying tribute to that gentleman who was killed, you know, or did I want to put wrestling? And so I said, no, you know what? I want to put myself wearing the shed Gaspard in pride. So I came home for lunch trying to get positions. Problem is... In this room, it's daylight during the day. I can't put, oh shit, I just realized it too. One of my lights are off. I swear to God, I just realized it now. Did it? Make, I don't know if it made any difference. I, I'm looking at this a little bit on a delay. Let's see if this made a difference. Is it better with this light on or off? I think off was like a little bit more of an intimate surrounding. No wonder why it wasn't so hot in here. But should I leave the light on or off? It's better? All right, we'll leave it alone. We'll leave it on. So I come home and it's daylight. And unfortunately, I get a lot of daylight in here, even though I have blinds. So I really couldn't use any of the lights. So I'm trying to position myself, take a nice picture. I finally put one online. I swear on my mother. I swear on Jesus Christ. I fucking hit the enter button on for YouTube to publish that I'm going to do a show tonight. And I know it sends notifications to some people who have notifications on. I swear on Jesus Christ, I hit the YouTube button. And then I realized, oh, I forgot to add the time. I go back on the page. It's not even up 15 seconds and is already two thumbs down. And I'm saying to myself, podcaster, podcaster. Just think about that. You have people that hate you so much that they subscribe to you so they can be the first ones. You know, obviously, I don't know who it is. I think I do know because they happen to be online at the same time. But just think, when people get... That's why I say this with much love to Dells and everybody else. I did. It's not insecurity. I take that as a badge of honor. When you get under people's skin so much that they have to go out of their way to put you down and do this and do this to this... I know I'm doing something right. The fact that all of you are here right now tuning into the show and you don't mind that I be real and talk real life issues once in a while instead of, oh, when is Roman Reigns coming back? You know, the fact that we can actually be real and talk 
and just be honest about topics and not what's popular or unpopular, you know, that's, that's something special, man. And I don't know why a lot of people tune in and are willing to give me that, that floor, but that's a wonderful thing, man. And again, I know it's a broken record, but if you would have told me that after four months we'd have that, I'd have been, you're insane, man. There ain't no way. Ain't no way. So, getting back. Oh, by the way, I got my allergy medicine today. I took it today for the first time. They didn't tell me, like, make sure it doesn't touch, touch your lips because it burns. I had it, and it was on the tip of my lips because I forgot to get water, and I didn't want it to disintegrate in my mouth. So I put the pill in my mouth, and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have water. I put it between my lips, thinking that it wouldn't disintegrate. I swear to God, I, when I drank the water, it felt like somebody punched me in the mouth. And then I look online, like, make sure it doesn't touch your skin. Idiots. I'm so pissed off, man. Thank you, nice analogy. I really appreciate that. I really do. So that's one thing, like I said, since 1997, man, authenticity. You know, I'm not going to, you know, yeah, I go a little over the top, and sometimes I regret some of the things that I say, but no, no malicious intent. None. None. And, uh, you know, cool. Much love. So... Anyway, Sasha Banks beats Alexa Bliss. You know, still teasing a little bit here and there. Now we it looks like we're going to have Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Let's see where that goes. WWE wants to go the ultimate scenic route. You know, they can uh, have Sasha and Bailey win the tag titles. And if you want to do the driving store analogy, that's like. Fuck, we got a flat. We got a flat. And ain't no no like phones like 10 hours like 10 miles away. It's like one of those bad TV shows where somebody breaks down and they have to walk like five miles to like a rest station or something. If they win those tag belts next week, that's that road to Bailey versus Sasha and the car broke down. And their cell phone, they ain't getting no cell phone service. And ain't no cars in sight because they went through Hickville because they wanted to pick those apples before on the Cross Bliss Farm. So, or they can uh, they can go a different route and kind of tease a little more dissension. But look, you could see now clearly, and AEW's done it too. You know, I I've spoke a few times. You have somebody attack someone else. And for some reason, that person decides to wait two, three weeks to call them out. I remember it was, what, the Dark Order with best friends or something like that. And, you know, just regular common sense TV, you know, next week, using just an example, best friends comes out and they want to get revenge on a Dark Order. No, they wait two or three weeks. Then they come out. You know, that's that's not consistency. You know, I, I don't, and you understand with COVID, you want to stretch things a little bit more. But WWE, you really see them stretching it. You know, brain now, we understand. You know, newborn, home for a little bit. Get it, no problem. Fine with that. But you look at some of the other things. You see, look, Miz and Morrison, you know, they get a fight at Backlash against Strowman. The fuck is going to happen between now and then? Nothing. You look at, you know, the the uh, this, this stuff that I said with the women earlier. You know, it just feels like, all right, let's milk it for another week or two to get to that destination. That's what SmackDown felt like today. It, again, it was not a bad episode. But when you actually dissect it, 
All it was doing was buying another week. You know, Shorty G versus Cesaro, as I said earlier. Shorty G getting the win abruptly, four and a half minutes. Um, I think this leads to a rematch. We'll see if it's one of those storylines where Shorty G could get two wins in a row, you know, or Cesaro gets his revenge. Don't know. Then we had Kurt Angle cutting a promo. Nice to see Kurt back. Was kind of disappointed that he was one of the people to be furloughed. But once again, a lot of people don't know the difference between fired and furloughed. So, you know, some people, they're bringing back a little bit here. It was cool to see. Well, that was Adam Pierce on TV today, right? Suddenly being the GM, suddenly like booking stuff. Was that Adam Pierce? I, I, you know, I really wasn't, I'm not going to lie. I've never really paid much attention to Adam Pierce's career. I mean, I remember the Ring of Honor stuff and everything. Chat room, was that Adam Pierce? Yes, it was. I, and you know what? I thought he did a fine job because you know a ton of the WWE universe was like, who did, who that, who that, who that? And he was on TV as if he was the GM all the time. Had no problem with that at all. But Kurt Angle, nice to see him. Did a great job refereeing a match with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. And again, you know, I mentioned it Wednesday. It disappoints me to this day now that when I did the whole profile of Timothy Thatcher and Killer, Killer Cross when they signed with WWE, and I put the little clip on YouTube, getting into their careers, giving a little background, to this day it is still the least watched clip that I've ever done. And I thought that was really of a kill cross I wasn't worried about because he was phenomenal in impact and people really didn't need a history lesson on Killer Cross. They knew what kind of star he is and what he could be. So, but the Timothy Thatcher, I would thought that people would be a little bit more interested to learn a little bit about him, but I thought he really earned it on Wednesday. And, um, you know, he's not going to be this you know, extremely charismatic character that's more, you know. No, he's bare-knuckle, hard-nosed, brawler, you know, a little bit, you know, kind of goofy with the this the game show thing they did with Riddle. But that was kind of to set the tone that, you know, Thatcher's not one of these entertainers. And sometimes, you know, again, you look at social media. Everybody wants to be a comedian. Everybody wants to be an entertainer. Just think about that. You see people on social media, and st instead of just being themselves and talking about themselves or talking about things, they talk about themselves like they're in the third person. Sorry, I think, you know, The Rock has that right, and maybe a few other stars have that right. We don't have that right to be talking. Uh, I put DT on a synopsis and everything because I try to make it look like it's the channel you know, describing like what's on. I don't want to just put I, 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 because then I'm like, who's I? You know, that's why I do that. But some people, they think they're entertainers. They're not. You're not entertaining. Um, but it was cool to see Kurt Angle announce Matt Riddle. Immediately putting Matt Riddle in a certain class, a certain caliber of former WWE stars. Um, you know, his vignette was fine. You know, they had to do a little bit more in the entertaining aspect. Riddle is fucking entertaining. I have expressed my personal feelings about him in the past with some of the things that happened with Goldberg and stuff. But one thing I have always said, there is no denying that guy has star written all over him. 
it sucks right now that it's an empty arena, just with NXT people behind plexiglass, because I could just picture him coming out just like NXT, you know, especially with the younger fans. Because look, the full sale fan base, when you see them mostly, or even at the take takeover events, everybody looks like that their their age is somewhere between maybe early twenties to mid thirties. Does that seem like the the primary live crowd you see? You do see some young fans and you do see some elderly fans and you do see some people that may be in their forties, fifties and sixties. But for the most part to me, the crowd that I always felt was live at the NXT events is from early twenties to mid thirties, which is amazing because when you think about, okay, for, just for you, Ho, ho, ho. Green Giants. Um, it's amazing because when you see the demographic for NXT on television, it's 50 and over. But when you see the live crowd, you know, it to me, it's like early 20s to mid 30s. So you look at SmackDown, and obviously they have to cater to a much larger, younger audience. So they have to be a little bit more of a character with Matt Riddle, emphasize that a little bit more. Kurt Angle doing the announcement gives you that no-nonsense, you know, he, he's legit. We all know that already. But, you know, you just imagine with the younger crowd just going on the mic, bro, and everybody, bro, bro, bro. You could, you could see that shit. We saw it in NXT, and with the younger crowd, you could see all that interaction. Unfortunately, right now, we ain't getting that. So, with that said, we had the Otis and Mandy segment, which was entertaining. You know, little tribute to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. No problem with it. You know, as soon as I saw Otis come out of the pool and you heard the music, I said, oh, I, I even said to my fiance, I said, he's going to lift his shirt. And she's like, why do you say that? I said, oh, it's a ripoff of a movie. I didn't really want to say what it was because then she looks at the clip and she Googles it and she's like, oh, so you like when Phoebe Cates, you know, pulls a top off and stuff like that. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. You know, Otis today wasn't as much of a goof. Otis was more, you know, like, hey, you know, hanging out. Look what I got here. I got a nice piece of ass next to me. You know, I, I was fine with it. Um, main event, Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. I think we pretty much, uh, Jeff Hardy, Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan. We, we knew where that was going. You know, I, I wrote it at 9.05, uh, 8.05 PM. Jeff Hardy was going to come back at 9.57 to the minute, to the, to the second. He came back at 9.57. You know, if that guy was under the influence, vehicular accident while under the influence, Fucking guys in jail for weeks and weeks and weeks. We would have had Kempatera segments on TV. So the fact that he was back and he got involved in the match and Sheamus looked all concerned and everything, you pretty much figured it out that, you know, Sheamus got caught. And that's what'll happen next week. And uh, I don't think people need to overthink it. That's why even with the Creepy Ali segments, since February 14th, when people are like, who do you think it is? I said, well, look at the logo. You know, I mean, could you imagine if, if somebody came out and was interfering with matches? I'm talking about from the 90s. And every time he, he did a move and he was like six foot five. And every time he did it, he went like this and went, bang. Yeah. What are you going to turn around and say? Oh, you know what? Maybe they signed um, uh, Alex Wright. Oh, you know what? You know, we, ha we haven't seen uh, Chaz in a while. Maybe that's Chaz. 
No, don't overthink it. They're using the fucking Ali logo. In storyline, in storyline. If someone is using my logo on WWE television, Creepy Ali would have been on social media, in storyline, the same day and saying, I don't know who's using my my logo, because remember, his logos mean something. So how dare? That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. So Creepy Ali doesn't say nothing. You know, don't overthink it, man. If it doesn't end up being Creepy Ali and Creepy Ali just sat there, I mean, what did they call Rusev? They called him a cuck. Is that what it is, a cuck? He just sat there and let Lashley have Lana, you know, have Lashley. So so basically, Creepy Ali is a cuck for his logo. He just sat there since February 14th. This is fucking 15 weeks. For 15 weeks, Creepy Ali, what do we, should we call him Cuck Ali? He just sat there and let someone just abuse and use his, his logo. The truth will be told. The truth will be told. I have nothing to do with the truth. Creepy Ali. Don't overthink it. So, anyway, so that was SmackDown today. Not bad. Not bad. Um, we'll see what happens next week. We'll see if uh, Cuck Ali finally reveals himself. You know, sorry, when you keep saying the truth will be, I'm telling storyline. Truth will be told. When? Nine months from now? When the truth will be told? What I mean, we gonna see logos when when Becky's in the in the delivery room? The truth will be told. The truth will be told. I mean, are we gonna see like this is 13, 14, 15 weeks already? The truth will be told. Do you realize how much truth has already been told that you didn't tell, that you said you were gonna tell? That storyline is Emma territory. This is Emmalina territory. Nothing against Emma. It's not a besmirch on Emma. It's how WWE treated the whole making or the remaking of Emmalina. And then she came out and then came, went back to Emma. It's garbage. Kuk Ali. Kuk Ali. And it's nothing personal against him. You know, well, remember, Ali is not his real last name. So we're just talking about the character. We're not talking about him personally in any way shape or form i want to make that perfectly clear so anyway uh my friend august first warning the formula to catch a goof use a tweet from a wrestling fan you said tweet as a piece in a clickbait article copy and paste without sources no eating no sleeping just tweets yeah that's what they do that shag gaspard is the lowest of the low seriously and talk about you know bullshit outrage I, I mentioned it Wednesday, and I wanted to actually see it with my own eyes before I brought it up again. But just just think about this for a minute. Just to show you how selective outrage, when it's people you like, they just fucking turn the other way. There's a lot of people in podcasting land that like The Torch. There are a lot of people in podcasting land that like Bruce Mitchell. There are a lot of people in podcasting land that actually follow Bruce Mitchell, talk to Bruce Mitchell, want to get tweet fucked from Bruce Mitchell, but gets no play. You know, that's what it is. Now, they did this segment on Raw Monday with the Street Profits, you know, with uh, the, you know, the Viking Raiders. Golf, basketball, this, this, and that. Well, somebody brought to my attention the other day that Bruce Mitchell went on his podcast and said... Uh, he actually insinuated that WWE, by having the Street Profits play basketball, that they were racist. And I actually heard it with my own ears because Vince Russo had talked about it on the brand. 
and they were doing the you know the the marks thing that they do castrate the marks jeff uh is it jeff lane i keep i keep forgetting his last name but um so bruce mitchell says what's next with the street profits watermelon eating contest joke or no joke with everything that is going on this guy says what's next wwe watermelon eating contest how the fuck all these goofs out there that like bruce mitchell that give him hand jobs that like the torch where's all their outrage where's all their outrage none zero jeff lane yes jeff lane zero now do i think bruce mitchell is a racist no no i don't see any sign of it whatsoever but to think that that is an okay thing to say, especially in this climate. And it didn't just start, you know, with Mr. Floyd. You know, what happened, you know, this this very recent, the last week. Um, To turn around and throw something like that, where, do you see any outrage? Do you see anybody talking about it? See anybody bringing it up? See anybody saying, you know, how the fuck could you say something like that? No. Why? Because they all like Bruce Mitchell. That should tell you right there. And if you think I'm making it up, you go on Twitter, do the search, and just type in this. Try Type in street, profits, watermelon. You'll see only about a 30-second 30, 30 clip or maybe even a 10-second clip. It's not the full clip because, you know, you got to listen to it in context. And he's basically saying, oh, WWE, because stereotype basketball, what's next, watermelon? How the fuck do you say that at all? How do you throw darts like that at all? And you see, one, maybe one or two people talked about it. Yeah, look it up. Right now, while you're on the show, listen to my show, just do a quick Twitter search. Just type in Street Profits Watermelon. You'll see Jeff Lane and Vince Russo play about 10 seconds of it. Just listen to it. I, I had to hear it with my own ears. And, I, and look, I'm not trying to stir it up. I'm just pointing out what we have all noticed, is that people out there, seriously... You know, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, I'm sorry for saying this, they could give a rat's ass that Hanukkah committed suicide. It's a sad story, and it's a tragedy, and it's terrible, and nobody ever wants to see anybody commit suicide. But there were a lot of people that started putting themselves as the victim to get a little bit of that Hanukkah sympathy. There were legitimate wrestlers, legitimate podcasts, from Mish to all these others, you know, Dell's talked about it. JD for talked about it. JD, I know, has been getting a lot of heat lately, but there were a lot of people out there that legitimately were very, very. Last Friday on this show, the news broke, and you saw my reaction. I was, I didn't fucking say to myself as I was getting chills down my spine and literally started doing this. I didn't say to myself, "That's such good shit." No. It was fucking chilling because I cover stardom on Wednesdays. I've talked about Hanukkah in the past. You hear somebody 22 years old, detergent suicide? That's rough, man. And, you know, I talk about, you know, the, 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 the toxicity of social media for five years. And, you know, look, there's a lot of different things that all contributed with her suicide. In my opinion, social media was the one that put it over the edge. There were a lot of, you know, ingredients that build the bomb and created the fuse. 
uh, but something lit the fuse, and that's what it is. And when you start reading the little incidentals, you know, it's, it's terrible. It's a tragedy. Um, but there's a lot of people online that give a flying fuck about Hanukkah Mora Kaminsu's. In fact, if you actually pay very close attention to social media, you'll see a lot of your esteemed journalists and podcasters only talk about the Hanukkah Mora suicide a day later after they realized that it was a big fucking story on the net. We've ta- I've talked about other people who have died in wrestling um, that no one ever brought up. You know, and, and it's just, they don't, a lot of people just don't give a fuck. And a perfect example, I wrote the formula last week. They, sh- they it's, it's, you could see it. And again, there's so many of these crack addicts that don't even, they don't care that it's obvious. You know, they'll, oh, express sympathies, put up a public service announcement, get all these likes, and then, you know, wait a day or two, maybe add another tweet, get a few more likes. Then once it wears off and it's really not a topic anymore, then all of a sudden they go right back to what they were doing before. You know, making fun of people, criticizing people, putting people down, you know, insulting people simply because they like certain wrestlers or like certain promotions or follow this or follow that. And then it's met, it's hidden in jokes. It's like they like the Shawn Michaels to Bret Hart. Remember when Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in 1997, they were doing these segments and Shawn Michaels is like, no, no, Bret, lay it into me, lay it in me, you know, because I'm, I'm going to lay it back. We, we're going to really push this storyline. Then after a while, Bret Hart was like, wait a minute, Th- this guy's like laying in the sunny days and stuff like that, not because of the storyline, but he really wants to fucking stick it to me, you know, and that's, that's, that's what they do. That's what they do. You know, they masquerade, you know, the insults and everything with a joke. Oh, I'm just fucking joking around. Very sick people out there. And a lot of the sick people that do that are come with, with smiles. And, you know, for, for websites and blogs, smiles. For, for podcasts, pleasant-sounding voices. Video, pl- pleasant-looking face. Beautiful. No, man, I'll always... I'll always throw that shit out there. I don't care who it fucking triggers because it's the truth. It's the truth. And a lot of people get upset because they think, I'm talking about this person, this person. I always say the same thing. If the shoe fits, too fucking bad. If the shoe fits for me, too bad for me too. You know? So anyway, a um, couple other wrestling news tidbits and then we are going to move on. Um, I wanted to show everyone, I hope that I, I yes, I actually did pull it. WWE actually started putting on sale some shirts that I think you'll really get a kick out of. You know, they're hyping up the greatest wrestling match ever. Well, they're now selling these shirts. And these are the greatest match collection. And what they do is they show some main events from, uh, you know, events from yesteryear. You know, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, No Way Out, SummerSlam. And these are, you know, what some people consider some of the greatest matches ever. I love this idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. And, you know, people immediately are now starting to bring up other events, other matches. My God, if you actually look at this close, you know, is Bret Austin, WrestleMania 13 even on here? Oh, yes. It, no, 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 it's not. They're going to come out with many others. 
I I would say Rob Van Dam and John Cena from from you know the the one night stand. There are so many of those shirts that they could come out with. You know, obviously you don't want to make designs and only sell ten. So they put this first batch out there, see how it goes, see what people are flocking to. You know, you got to keep in mind Austin Rock, Cena, some of the greatest you know, wrestlers in the last 20 years, entertainers, whatever category you want to put them in. But unfortunately, in this day and age, some wrestlers may not get that craving for merchandise over others. As weird as it sounds, and it's it's sad to say, it feels like Hogan right now um, doesn't seem to get that real craving of fans wanting to buy some old-school Hulkamania merchandise. Um, but I think still Rock and Austin are a big deal. I don't think Bret Hart is a huge must-purchase for our current fans of this generation. You put, you think Kurt Angle. I even think Ric Flair, for after a while, gets a little bit played out for this generation. So you put that batch out there. You see what sells and what doesn't. And you build on it. You build on it. They, you know, I, I don't have the shirts again in front of me, but you, I think right away, Steamboat Savage. Did I? Was there a Hogan Andre? I don't even remember if I saw a Hogan Andre on there. So there are so many shirt designs. The problem with something like this is you start creating some, you know you got to create others. Now, the only excuse that I can give, this is the only excuse I could give, this has to do with like RVD Cena, Hogan, Andre. Remember the theme, and I'll, I'll put the picture up again. Remember the theme, okay? Greatest match collection. Greatest, and this is to kind of coincide with Randy Orton versus Edge. Greatest wrestling match ever. Was Hogan Andre one of the greatest wrestling matches ever? No. Was it, oh yeah, there's Steamboat Savage. But um, was it a great spectacle? No. I mean, yes, but it wasn't a great wrestling match. Now, you could argue the Royal Rumble one all in the far right, Cactus Jack versus Triple H. Was that a great wrestling match? No. It was more of an outright brawl. So you look at some of these matches on here, you maybe even want to say to yourself, maybe Triple H Cactus Jack is the odd man out of all of these matches you're looking on on, on the display right now. All the other ones had... Awesome wrestling. So if you're going to coincide it with the Edge-Randy Orton match, Triple H and Cactus Jack doesn't seem to fit that category. So if you're going to... No, they're not going to put Okada and Omega, even though that is one of the greatest wrestling matches in recent memory. But um, that's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. But I don't think they should want to limit themselves to just technical wrestling. And that's really what those shirt theme is. What I think WWE should do is maybe have different themes. This set, almost like figures, this set is for the greatest wrestling match ever. Then you do another set that has to do with hardcore. You do another set that has to do with something else. You do series, series. And then maybe you come out with a series two down the line. I think stuff like this could actually generate some pretty good fan interest. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Definitely not a bit bad deal. Um, do you guys remember piss milk shit guy? Piss shit, shit milk guy? Did, did Mish, if he's still around, did he hear about this? 
I took a slug of my uh, seltzer. I actually should have just waited to put piss milk shit milk guy on here right now. Um, for those that don't know who piss milk shit guy is, I've talked about him many times in the past. That is Armando Montavo. I don't even need to look it up. He's a whack job. He lives in Florida. And I'm sorry if this is going to lead to some very disgusting footage. But if you really want to research who this guy is, you go on Google, you type in Armando Montalvo, or you look up piss milk shit guy. That's all I'll say. Um, he stalked women wrestlers in WWE in the past and actually showed videos that involved uh, those ingredients. He was quickly labeled the piss milk shit guy or the piss shit milk guy. He lives in Florida. He is very mentally unstable. He shows up at WWE uh, Performance Center, yells, screams. He is the same guy that got shot a couple of years ago in the WWE parking lot in Florida for uh, threatening cops and charging the cops. He has an order of protection against him that he's not allowed anywhere near the WWE grounds. And every year or two, he films himself showing up there. He's cursed in front of kids. The guy, and I've said it in the past, sadly, um, that guy, I'm, I, and I'm not, this is not a joke. I truly believe that guy, his story is going to end in a terrible tragedy. And I even said that before he got shot at WWE headquarters in Florida. Something tragic is going to happen with that guy. Even though it's already a tragedy with him, but something tragic is going to happen with that guy. And you think after being in jail, you think after being shot, you think after being in the hospital, you think after being in court, you think after years that maybe you start wising up or maybe the medicines start to kick in. Not, not a chance, not a chance. He showed up in Florida again, I think last week or this week. He videotaped himself for about an hour. He got arrested. He's doing court again next week. And again, this is a guy that's already been arrested numerous times for stalking WWE. He's done some disgusting, sick videos online stalking people in the past. He is mentally unstable. He is not a kid anymore. And he decided to do... Uh, another appearance this week, and I have it. And I'm going to share just a couple of moments with you. And I didn't watch enough of it to see if he actually used this term. But when I see what he has, my immediate thought was, oh, I get it now. You know, carrying cross, you get it? Carrying cross, you know, carrying, if you look up the definition of carrying, it talks about prey and everything. But if you actually say that fast, carrying cross, you know, it doesn't mean like K-A-R-R-I-O-N. It could be C-A-R-R-Y-I-N, carrying cross, because this Matarats decided to do this. God bless. Jesus loves you. Guess who's going to debut on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> Me, myself, and I. Hold up. All right. Let's try this again. Let's not go to jail. Let's not get locked up. 
All right, let's rock and roll. Eddie gave me the okay to let's do this. Eddie. Got Eddie. So now I got my sombrero. God bless everybody throughout the world. Let, let, let's figure this out. I just got the call. I just got the call, y'all. So, uh... I'm gonna fast forward it, I think, uh, we gonna see what they wanna do. If we're gonna talk out and finish out this business. So, uh... We gonna figure out what they wanna do. But guess who's gonna debut? We got 10 minutes left. On Monday Night Raw, y'all. <laughs> guess who's debuting on Monday Night Raw? No way. You gave him the text message. Hunter Hearst Helmsley told me to stop by. Uh-oh. Dinnernet, 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 Guys, so many order uh -oh. protections from WWE. Dinnernet, 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 dinnernet. Zillion dollar deal. Oh the, the rumors are true that Triple H is trying to keep me under contract of the WWE forever under the network of the umbrella. Anywhere. All right, well, we, so, haven't, we haven't been notified of that. And this is, uh, this is coming from the security guy with WWE. And then you have this gentleman here that's with WWE Well, security. just for the record, I did security for WrestleMania. Oh we did for WrestleMania? Yes. Where at? Where is that at? At Orlando. At the Camping World Stadium? Yes, for Linda McMahon, the chairman's wife, which happens to be the mother-in-law of Triple H. Yeah. And Lillian Garcia! Tonight, tonight, because technically you're not doing anything, you're not impeding the flow of traffic, you're not impeding the flow of pedestrian traffic, you, we can't tell you you gotta leave this sidewalk, but what I would do is tell you to keep, 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 keep it low, or just go ahead and take off tonight. Because Can I shoot a promo? You, you can do whatever, as long as it doesn't impede with whatever's going on Can out you here? tell Triple H I'm here? No. Can you tell William Regal I stopped by? No. Why you won't say nothing? I'm not saying anything, man. I'm not your messenger. I'm really not, man. So how do we go through the right channels? You send whatever you got to the corporate office in Stanford, Connecticut, and go, I'd like to I'd like to meet and I'd like to have a conversation or send my resume to whoever. And you send it to send it to William Regal. I don't care. I want to bury the hatchet though. But that's this isn't gonna happen. I mean, let's let's face it hypothetically here. To the promised land that y'all wouldn't let me in. But I led each and every one of you to this year's WrestleMania 36 to still stand here today to show you that the Lord Jesus Christ had a plan for me and each and every one of you. To make the most greatest entrance of all time in WrestleMania history. Guy sick. This goes on and on and on. Just for the divas and the maestros from my rap flows, biggest walls in T-Pac are in heaven right now. And they know, and everybody from Union Park that went to school with me knows this was my dream. 
And I still showed up and showed the whole world I had heart. And this was always my dream. This goes on and on and on. Did you guys smell about that airtime at this year's WrestleMania 36 at the front door? I'm gonna need that. And next time I'm bringing my burrito, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm not trying to scare you guys. Well, at least the divas, but I, I'm looking for an opportunity. God bless you. I'm giving out deep conditioning shampoos. I think that's enough. Got my ass kicked my whole entire life. I'll take care of myself. God bless you. Shalom. Don't thank me. Thank God. Heavenly Father, I needed that. <laughs> One time. All right, that's enough. Guy's sick, man. And like I said before, this guy, he got shot a couple of times in the performance center. Shot bullets. He's got order protections from WWE. Very sick. You look around the net, and if any of his videos are still out there, especially why he got the moniker of piss milk shit guy, extremely disturbed and I don't like saying things like this but I said this a few years ago and I say the same thing I always feel one day we're gonna wake up and it's gonna be on the news that this guy either took his own life or showed up there with some type of a gun and started trying to blow people away this guy's sick it's very sick and um it's very disturbing blew me away that this guy back in the news and it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. If you've never heard about this guy before, I'm just warning you. You start, and I'm not exaggerating either. You start looking into it, you're opening up Pandora's box. And when you see some of the things um, that I've seen and Mish has seen and some of you out there have seen, it's disturbing, man. It's disturbing. You know, this is another form of the sickness with social media. Everybody thinks that they're a celebrity. Everybody thinks that they have a following. Everybody, uh, I just, it's its sick, man. It's sick. So, uh, Anthony Diaz, I'm not doing what he wants to do. He could give a shit about me. He could give a shit about you. He could give a shit about if a million of us went on his social media account and said, oh, man, keep doing what you're doing. No, he wants WWE to acknowledge him. We are nothing. He could care less about any of us. He wants them to acknowledge him. That's all he cares about, and it's fucking sick. So uh, I want to give uh, a little picture for everybody out there. You know, we talk about AEW, and we talked about how they were doing the testing and everything, and Vicky Guerrero, I thought you all would get a kick out of this. Vicky Guerrero posted a picture of, and let me do a closer one, of the wristbands that she gets every time she's tested. They test for COVID, they test for temperature, and every time you are tested, your the code number represents your file, and they put the band around you. 
and she wanted to show everybody, you know, how in-depth AEW is with testing everybody. And, you know, like I said, if you think about that idea, and I mentioned this Monday, and I kind of mentioned it on Wednesday as well, if everybody in NXT and the WWE is tested that thorough, and you know everybody within those doors right now don't have COVID, why do they have to stay behind plexiglass? Again, to get, my opinion, to get fans used to the plexiglass, so when they do let people back in the building, you don't want all these fans to be like, the fuck is this? What the hell is this plexiglass doing here? You know, they want people to get used to the plexiglass, so... Um, so I figured I'd share that with you. I think you would kick, get a kick out of that. Uh, let's see. Um, other than that, I think we are pretty much set as far as wrestling news goes. Um, uh, oh, the AEW NXT ratings. Wow. 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 I don't have in front of me what I believed AEW is going to do, I think I said somewhere around like 767 or 773. And I thought NXT was going to increase as well. I thought maybe the mid sixes because they did 592 the week before, which is really terrible if you think about it. Well, you got to really just either be a Debbie Downer or just not a fan of Wednesday wrestling or just looking for attention to shit on this. AEW this week did 827,000 viewers. They had an 18% increase in their viewership. NXT scored 731,000 viewers, and they had a 23% increase. Now, when you add that up, and this is why I think it's so important, when you add that up, we have been talking about Wednesday night having about one2 sometimes 1.3 million viewers, all right? Those two together come out to 1.558 million viewers. Yes, I watch one on television, I watch one on the laptop, and I take my notes on my computer. But even if I had a Nielsen box, the Nielsen box would not register my laptop. My point is, is that this is pretty close to a million and a half different fans watching wrestling on Wednesday night. When you tune into Monday Night Raw and you look at their ratings, which are under 2 million, Wednesday Night Wrestling is getting closer and closer to be the same rating that Monday Night gets. And if you're going to rip AEW or NXT's ratings and then say that there's nothing wrong with Raw, and you fail to realize that Wednesday night almost had 1.6 million fans watching wrestling, that is comparable to Monday night. And that tells you of how disappointing Roar is or what wrestling right now currently is. And it's terrible because up until recently, wrestling was the only sport on TV and you thought that they would have, and I've mentioned this analogy before, they would have put on their best suit, just look their absolute best and just try to stand out. So everybody, when we look back at COVID, like, man, there was no baseball, there was no football, no hockey, no basketball, no karate, no UFC, almost nothing. No car racing, but fucking wrestling, man. They just went over and beyond 
what anybody could have expected. And that's not the case at all. Even though, as I said on Monday, that I think the pay-per-views have been much better than people expected. Do you think we would have got the Boneyard match? Do you think we would have got the Firefly Funhouse match? Do you think we would have got the Stadium Stampede match if there was no COVID? That's something you need to ask yourself. And I don't know if we would have gotten any of the three. Maybe you would have got a variation of the Boneyard match or a variation of something with Cena and Wyatt. Just remember that some wrestlers did not want to compete during COVID. You know, so I personally think that when we look back at the COVID era, which is what I call this, the COVID era, I think we're going to look back on it. And if we get more stadium stampedes, if we get more boneyard brawls, if we get more whacked out firefly funhouse type matches, I think we're going to look back at the COVID era and probably say the best thing that came out of the COVID era were these uh, thematic, cinematic, cinematic matches. And yes, before anybody opens up their mouth, I remember the broken, you know, Hardys and TNA. I remember Lucha Underground. I remember, you know, the Wyatts versus the New Day. And I remember all that. But the thing is, is that now we've had three very, and we didn't even talk about Money in the Bank on, on the top of the WWE headquarters. There's four. We have four very creative, very unique very well-produced matches within, what, two months? That is a big fucking deal. I think cinematic matches are here to stay. They will not be every single pay-per-view, but when you can start producing bits and pieces of a match and do this and you don't have to do it in front of a live crowd and you could give you know plenty extra time, my God, there's a reason why movies are, you know, movies. Because they're made in advance, they're produced, they're edited, takes, retakes, redos here. The, everything is put together, uh, special effects, instant replay, whatever you want to talk about. When you have pro wrestling live on a pay-per-view and a match goes down right then and there, it's the difference between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton in a fucking house which actually part of it was pre-recorded, if you remember. But that is the difference between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton taking place literally almost the same day as a pay-per-view, and parts of it is, than having the Boneyard and Undertaker being done in advance. So I'm telling you, Impact Wrestling too. I've been praising Impact Wrestling on Wednesdays. Is it must-see TV? Uh, that's you know debatable for a lot of people out there. But even Carnyland, my God. Just listen to my analogy, Mike, what I feel Carnyland is. Listen to what I said Wednesday. You know, now MLW, I'll talk about it Wednesday, not today, but MLW is going to be coming out with their own, you know, series as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot more creativity being done right now. And um, it's driving Jim Cornette batty. You know, he fucking hated the stadium match, hates this, hates that. You know, again, he's got an audience that it's, I, I call them now grumpy old men. That's what it seems like. Hate, 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 hate. You know, unfortunately, you know, we're in a very unique period of time. And, you know, the wrestling is trying to think a little bit outside the box. 
And, uh, you know, I just think it's ridiculous, you know. But anyway, fuck that. We don't need to talk about that. Jericho, remember Wednesday when we talked about Tyson and I said, this is all done. And I even did the lingo. I said, this is all done so they can have da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
Didn't one celebrity do something with woo, 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 woo? Wasn't there one that did something with Edge? Wasn't there one that did something with that? We had celebrity guest hosts get it, and there was some that were fucking hilarious. Umaga beating up Jackass was one of my highlights. He just he just fucking laid in on them. That fucking actor, that comedian, that Asian actor that landed on his fucking head that got tossed out of the ring, loved it. So it works both ways. But this isn't the first time we've had celebrities be part of physicality with wrestlers. Kevin Federline, great example. Kevin Federline. I'll never forget. I remember when WWF edited out part of it early on. When Federline beat Cena and he started throwing the money on the floor. And that's like the ultimate sign of disrespect. And I remember when WWF replayed some of it like a week or two weeks later, and they edited out all the things. It was funny because when they flashed the camera back, there's magically money on the floor. You're like, where did the money come from? But, um, you know, that that's another good example. And remember, Federline, that whole storyline was, it, Morrison was involved with that. So there were some good ones, and there were some god-awful ones. So to turn around and to start singling out AEW, if you're a young fan weren't around for a lot of the other things, totally understandable. When you're a veteran wrestling fan and you're just going off on this, you're just looking for attention. You're just looking to get tweet fucked, plain and simple. So you don't have to like it, but to turn around and shit on it like it's a major ripoff copy, this is it. Give me a break. So wrestling went up to almost 1.6 million viewers on Wednesday night. That is a fucking good thing. There's no other way to put it. That was a good thing. By the way, Wednesday, we were also talking about Reba. Remember Reba? The girl that was with Britt Baker that, you know, seemed a little clueless with the board. I did not realize it. A little bit different hairstyle. You know, wearing the big T-shirt. I really didn't see the physique all that much. But for those that don't know, that follow Impact Wrestling, especially a couple of years ago, Reba that was shown was none other than uh, Rebel that was in um, Impact. She was a knockout, Rebel. So she had like the grayest streaks in the hair at one point in Impact Wrestling, I believe. So uh, yeah, so she was Rebel. So basically all they did was they took away the E and the L at the end and they put an A instead. So you were Rebel, now you're Reba. Reba, Reba, Reba. China! Um, by the way, uh, for all you hornballs out there, did you see Kelly Kelly's nip slip, nip, nip slip on TikTok? TikTok, TikTok, carry across, TikTok. If you didn't see it, you know, if you remember the infamous photo that I posted a long time ago where Kelly Kelly was on the beach and you could see, like, through the sand, through the sands of the hourglass. Um, you see the little slip on TikTok, you realize, yeah, that really was her nipple back in the day. So, yeah, she's getting engaged. I'm happy for her, man. You know, that when the, she had that, uh, just that she was so hurt and devastated when Andrew Martin passed away. It was Andrew Martin, right? Wasn't it she? Didn't she do the psychics? They were trying to get in touch with Andrew Martin. That, that, was, that was sad, man. That was sad, so... I don't have TikTok either, Stephen. I mean, look, I set up a Twitch. I will be utilizing it soon. I have to just get a couple of things in order with the phone so I could take start taking calls soon. Um, so I kind of put Twitch on the back burner. 
And I will be utilizing more outlets for the shows so we could have even more interaction. But I don't see myself getting a TikTok. I will tell you that right now. Even though they're doing all the things, you know, you know, I see all the creative videos that they're doing. I, you know, I even got to give the Iconics a little credit. You see the other day, the Iconics, I think it was Peyton Royce. She's got Windex and she's wiping. I'm sure some of you saw it. Um, Anthony Diaz, once I start taking calls, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely set up call-ins, absolutely. But even the other day, I was looking at the TikTok. I think Peyton Royce, she's in like a bathroom. And she's got a rag and she sprays like Windex and she rubs it like this. But she does it so the camera is blocked for a split second by the rag. And when she goes like this, Billy Kay's on the screen. Then she goes like this and it's back and she's like, it, it, I look, I rag on the Iconics. I thought that was very creative. So, yeah, we're going to talk politics right now. Well, not really politics. We're going to talk about what's going on in Minnesota. Just have some real-life combo for a few minutes. I definitely need to take a little slug over here. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this. I'm Look, we're not going to have an hour-long conversation about this, but I'm just going to give you my overall thoughts. I don't have anything rehearsed. I did copy what I tweeted earlier because I thought it pretty much spelled out well of what I was trying to say. But again, you know, anybody could tweet a beautiful sounding catchphrase, couple of sentences. Everybody thinks, oh, it's so on point. And then a couple of days later, same tweeter returns back to being a dick. Say it bluntly. You need to hear someone. You need to see their eyes. You need to see the person that claims to feel the way that they do. You know, um, what happened is an absolute tragedy. And I'll, I'll start this off with a little video clip that I saw posted. And this pretty much really, really pissed me off. You see this over here? I'm going to pause it. See this? These are protesters I believe in Minnesota. Um, I'm 99% sure this is Minnesota. And the protesters really aren't burning anything. You know, they're around the streets and, you know, they're, they're obviously protesting what happened. And um, you see some cops riding by. I don't know if all of you have seen this or not. And it's only a couple of seconds, but I want you to watch it closely because to me, this pretty much sums up my anger right now for law enforcement. All right, I'm going to put the audio to it. I'm going to restart it. I just want you to watch as you see these cars going by. You don't see anybody throwing anything at these cop cars, but I want you to pay very close attention at the last vehicle that drives by. Watch this. Right, here it comes. All right, here it comes. There you go. I don't know if you saw that clip. Here's, here's my take on the whole thing, all right? Now, I do understand that this police officer, what was that asshole's name again? That police officer that got arrested? 
the officer that had the knee on his neck uh, is arrested, being charged with third-degree murder. He's also being charged with manslaughter. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole legal aspects of this. Third-degree murder sounds very fair because third-degree murder is when you... And look, I don't have legal ease in front of me or anything like that, but third-degree murder is when... You know, you're, you don't, you're not intending, you're not looking to kill someone and you're not intending to kill someone, but your egregious, you know, acts cause the murder of uh, the death of someone. That's pretty much the best way I could describe the difference between third degree and second degree murder. If they thought that he intended to kill, then he would have been charged with second degree murder. You couldn't charge him with first-degree murder because he didn't wake up and say, I'm going to kill that person. Um, all right, Derek Chauvin, all right? I watched that video of him putting his neck, his knee on the guy's neck. Now, I don't want to get animated here. This is the number one thing that angers me about police officers right now. And I will preface this by saying, and by the way, you know what? Much love to everybody who's here live right now because I actually see the numbers actually going up in the last five minutes who so tuning in. I guess you all knew that I was going to be doing this, but this is just Anthony de Blasi talking right now. I'm a white guy. I'm an Italian guy, all right? I luckily have a roof over my head. My parents have a beautiful house, you know, but people forget that my father worked three jobs for 20 plus years just to get enough money together to be able to try to live a little bit comfortably. Um, I work four jobs right now, just try to maintain what I have. Yeah, they're not all full-time jobs, but it's not like, you know, we just sit back like celebrities and just rake in, you know, uh, royalties and, you know, that's it. I never take advice from anybody who is a major celebrity. They have their nest egg. They've made their career. So they could preach whatever they want. They could tell us what to do, what not to do. They are not in our our life. They are not in our bubble. They could act it. They could come off on social media that they're everyday people like all of us, but they're not. They're not. Politicians the same way. You know, it's all about power. It's all about control. And it's on both sides. And I really don't want to be animated with this, but this is the best way I could describe why this really just set me off to the point where these riots have to are necessary. And look, if you disagree with me, all I say is just respectfully disagree. Um, if you're going to just write nasty shit, especially on Twitter, I don't care. If, you know, I do care, but I, I just want to, you know, I appreciate our patrons, but once in a while, somebody will really, really go off on me and then basically think that, I'm not going to block them simply because they're a patron. You know, there's a ways of agreeing and disagreeing and being respectful about it. This is coming from here. You think my show suck? You think I'm an instigator? You think I'm, you know, talking about people? I totally, I, I'm fine with that. But when this is coming straight from the heart and I'm telling you why I feel the way I feel and some of what I say may get very, very raw, you know, you, you're talking about this, all right? And... Three, four days later, you're still talking about this. I don't do the cycle. 
I don't go from step one, step two, step three, and then start fucking, no, I don't do that. This is the best way I could describe this, okay? I don't want anybody to actually do this, but you watch that video of that officer putting his knee on his neck, and the guy saying, I can't breathe, my stomach hurts, my neck hurts, and he starts calling for his mother. I was going to play the video tonight of my mom and my dad at that wedding that I talked about that AJ talked about, the artist, AJ Moore, and I have it queued up, and I was going to play it. But the reason why I decided not to today is because I want all my emotions to stick only on this topic. But this is the thing, all right? What pisses me off the most about this is that 99% of cops are good cops. 1% are bad. But the problem is in law enforcement, that's not an excuse. And I know people personally, and I brought this up before, I know people personally who became police officers because they really wanted to protect and serve I know people who went into the military because they wanted to protect and serve. Then there's about two or three people that I have known over the years that wanted to become a cop because of the power, because of being, you know, this high and everybody else is this high. I know one person in particular that wanted to become a cop so he could basically, you know, people don't want, he got actually enjoyed when people broke the law because he could fucking do something about it, and they couldn't, all right? I don't talk to that person anymore. I hope to God he's changed his ways. But you have a lot of narcissist people out there that crave power, that crave to be authority, that crave that they want to be a higher purpose. You see this stuff going on with Trump, with this Russian collusion, and it's this and that. When you see this James Comey guy, and he's talking about how, you know, Good people sometimes lie in this and that. They actually think, and this is not a Trump praise because I don't follow Trump on social media anymore, but this guy actually thinks in his mind that because he believes stopping Trump is a very good thing, that it's okay to break the law in order to do that. They won't ever admit that, but that's the case. So when it comes to these cops and power, the problem is, is that in all walks of life, you see people that live in your neighborhood. You see people on the news. You see athletes. When you see people abusing their spouses, a lot of it's about control. Lot, you, know, you don't even have to physically abuse your significant other. It could be mind control. It could be mental abuse. You see it very recently with a male wrestler and a female wrestler. I don't want to name names. All right, when people hit and need that control, it's about power. And it's the same thing in law enforcement. And the problem is, is that you ever know someone that they get into a fight, they snap, and you can't control them? And they, they, they snap so much that they start shaking. You know, they just totally lose it. The problem is with a lot of cops is you don't know if they ever get to that breaking point. And some of these officers never show any signs of going over the top. 
But sometimes you go to a point of no return. I'm sure some of you out there right now, you get into a fight in a club, you get into a fight in a school, you get into a fight, you know, protecting someone, and you get so angry that you just lose it, you just snap. And you're almost looking at yourself in the third person. And that's what happens with a lot of cops. They they go beyond the control and they don't know where to stop. Now, cops, and this is not a defense, but I'm going to get to this in a minute. A lot of these cops, they're apparently trained that when you shoot, you shoot to kill. And this didn't even involve bullets. And what angers me, and I watch live PD all the time. I'm a big fan of live PD. And I see some of the garbage that the cops go through. But I also see sometimes where you could really see, you know, where the line gets very close to being crossed. How many times, black or white, male or female, how many times have you seen somebody get arrested? Very recently, very recently, they showed a mother and her kid, uh, I think in a Walmart or something, I think this happened last week, where they got arrested. And one of them was not resisting. There was even the week before, somebody got arrested and the guy's laying on the floor and he's like, officer, I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. How many times have you seen on, on live PD and other places? They, now, they're very careful what they air on TV. How many times have you seen people on the ground they're like, I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. And it doesn't look like they're resisting. In the case of Mr. Floyd, he's not resisting. And the thing is, is that when you have George Floyd on the floor and you got one officer with his knee on his neck, you got another officer on his back and he's got handcuffs on, all right? Again, this is a really bad analogy, but this is what I thought about. If, I, if this was a pillow right now and I decided to take any person, anybody out there, an animal, a pet, a parent, an elderly person, a bum down the street, someone I hate, someone I love. If I take this pillow and smother their face with it right now, what is that person going to do? That person's going to do everything possible to try to get a breath of air to eliminate this pillow being shoved in their face. So when you have a cop has their knee on someone's neck or twisting their arm a certain way where it's about to be snapped. Police officers think that because they have a badge that somehow you can fall into a Zen and just relax. So when they're putting cuffs on you and they're about to break your arm and you're just trying as a physical scientific reaction, my arm's not supposed to twist this way. Let me try to, put it back so it doesn't break. Oh, but because an officer is arresting me, relax, 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 relax. Like you're supposed to physically and scientifically not react to having a pillow shoved in your face, to have your knee in someone's neck and have knee in somebody's back, to have somebody have you in a chokehold, to have five guys holding your arms in ways it's never supposed to, as if they're Stu Hart, you know, doing submission moves in a dungeon. And because it's an officer, okay, hey, hurry, 
It's okay. That's what gets me sick about this. Even if the man was resisting, if I'm walking down the street right now and a couple of people jump me and one puts his neck behind my fucking, his knee behind my fucking neck and holds me down and I can't fucking breathe. I'm going to fucking do everything I possibly can to get out of that position so I can breathe. It's because it's this asshole officer. Stop resisting. Okay. All right. All right. You physically can't stop. It's a, it's a regular reaction. And, you know, when you start thinking about it like this, every time I see somebody who says, I'm not resisting, I can't breathe, I can't move, this hurts bad, you can't assume that they're just lying to you. Because if they're not lying to you and you seriously injure them or you kill them, you know, I had no intention on killing them. You know, you can't fucking turn around and say, I didn't believe him. Do you, how many times have you ever heard a cop say, I didn't believe him? Because that's not an excuse. Have you ever really heard a cop say, oh, when he said he couldn't breathe, breathe, I didn't believe him? You don't really ever hear that excuse. And I, thank you, Chad. Feel free to rewind this. But I made a list of names. Some of them from when I was younger. And I know I left a lot of names out, but I'm not criticizing any presidents right now, and I'm not praising anybody either. But when you read online that this is Trump's America of what's going on, remember that a lot of people said this is Obama's America when some of these tragedies went on. This is Bush's America. This is Clinton's America. Yes, even Reagan's America. This is not something that just started a couple of years ago. It has been going on for decades and decades and decades. WWE in a lot of places could put these beautiful inspirational videos on Martin Luther King Day, you know, and, and play his speeches and everything. Well, guess what? We have been seeing speeches. We've been seeing marches. We've been seeing... Um, peaceful protests for decades and decades and decades. And guess what? It didn't do shit for Rodney King in Los Angeles, 1991, Malise Wayne Green in Detroit, 1992, Abner Louima in New York, 1997, Amadou Diallo in New York, 1999, James Brissett and Ronald Madison in New Orleans, 2005, Sean Bell in New York, 2006, Oscar Grant in Oakland, 2009, Kelly Thomas in California, 2011, Eric Garner in New York, 2014, Tamir Rice in Cleveland, 2014, Michael Brown Jr., Missouri, 2014. And by the way, Tamir Rice was only 12 years old. Dontre Hamilton, Milwaukee, 2014. Dante Parker, California, 2014. Laquan McDonald, 17 years old. That's the infamous video, and I still see it to this day, where he, had, he was surrounded by cops. He had a knife, and he started walking away from the cops. And he walked away from the cops, and they shot him 16 times. It's on video. 17 years old, Chicago, 2014. Sam Dubose, Cincinnati, 2015. Walter Scott, 2015 in South Carolina. Walter Scott got pulled over because of a broken brake light. He got out of his car 
and started running away from the cop. And you might remember this one from 2015 because it looked like he was running in a park. You see the still shot of him running away from the cop. And the cop is like this, to his back, killed him eight times, shot him. William Chapman, second, Virginia, 2015. Freddie Gray, Baltimore, Maryland, 2015. Eric Harris, Oklahoma, 2015. Tony Robinson, Wisconsin, 2015. Alton Sterling, Louisiana, 2016. Terrence Crutcher in Oklahoma, 2016. Philando Castile, Minnesota, 2016. Go see that one. Got pulled over with his girlfriend and for a broken taillight. He said he had a... A, car, a gun in the car, but it was licensed and it was in his glove compartment. His his girlfriend streamed it on Facebook Live, and he was going to get his license, and the cop shot him dead. On it's on Facebook Live. I don't know if the video is still out there. Antoine Rose Jr. Pittsburgh, 2018. Stefan Clark, Sacramento, 2018. Ahmad Aubrey, even though that was not a cop, but I included in there. Georgia of this year, and George Floyd from Minnesota in 2020. Ahmaud Aubrey pisses me off because that is racial profiling to the umpteenth level. Because you saw a black person at a construction site, you immediately think that they committed a crime. So you start chasing the person. Then there's all the video that he might be grabbing the other guy's rifle. Motherfucker, if I'm running down the street trying to avoid someone that pulled a gun on me and then I get into a confrontation and the guy has a fucking rifle and he's trying to shoot me. Of course I'm pulling that motherfucker rifle away from him. Try to save my life. So if I take out a rifle and start chasing someone and that person tries to pull a rifle away from me so I don't shoot him and then I shoot him saying, oh, it was self-defense? No. No. So where does this leave us now? I always believed... For years and years and years, peaceful protest. Do not light up a city. Do not ride a city because there are, you don't know the business owners that you're destroying their lives. Fuck COVID. Look at COVID. Look at how many businesses have been destroyed because of this virus. You see any real sympathy there? No, no. You're gonna you, if you go back to work, you're killing grandma. Oh, because it's a nail salon. Uh, you could open a nail salon somewhere. What money? You know, you know people, you know, it, it's also mental. You know, some people wanted to go back to a nail salon simply because they wanted to feel like life was coming back to, to, to normal. It wasn't that, oh, they cared about their nails more than grandma. You know, so you have all these businesses in Minnesota right now. And you don't know if the businesses that were burned down are also... Um, against police or Democratic or Republican. You don't know it all. And they're all burnt down. The problem is if you peaceful protest, you've been peaceful protesting for decades and decades and decades, and it is, what it does is it makes everybody feel good for a little while, and they go right back to their ways. So the problem with a lot of police officers is that you have a lot of testosterone. You have a lot of in here as far as power. And unfortunately, that is, I took the police test. I failed because I was too fat. All right, you could laugh at that all you want. My father, if I, if I ever had my father on here and I said, Dad, what did you want me to be when I grow up? You know what he said? I wanted you to be a cop. And I went and took the police test to make my father happy. I never wanted to be a police officer. I, I wanted to be maybe an investigator or a detective. 
But I took the police test, and I failed. I was 320 pounds. I said I was too heavy. And I was kind of happy that I failed because I didn't want to be a police officer at the time. But the thing is, is that I remember clearly that when I was taking the test and going through everything, they gave you psychological tests, but they really don't know what's up here. You know, you know I think of, uh, I watched the movie Stripes the other day, and it's a comedy with Bill Murray. And I remember it was, I think, Francis, like towards the end, and he's like, finally, I'm going to get to kill somebody. It was a joke. But there are people out there, maybe not necessarily kill, but that control that they have power and authority, that could really get in one's mind. And I think what officers need to do is they need to start training these officers that you do not shoot to kill. That should not be priority number one. And the problem is, and there was a case with a female cop not too long ago. The problem is, is that you don't know in the heat of the moment how somebody is going to react. Look at Chad Gaspard. God rest his soul. Chad Gaspard. He stopped an armed robbery. And look, if you notice, other than reading the names, I'm not looking at nothing. I'm talking to you from here to here. When Chad Gaspard started, stopped that armed robbery, he said, I didn't even think about myself. I just wanted to stop that guy from committing the crime that he did. There are other people that could talk all night long or tweet all night long, I would have done the same shit that Chad Gaspar did. And if they're ever in the same fucking room and somebody pulls out a gun, you know what they do? Ah! They run away and pee their pants. Some people, you don't know what they're going to do in a split-second reaction. Unfortunately, the police force does not train someone or know what someone's going to do on a split second. You don't put them in a situation where somebody starts legitimately shooting at you or or does this or, or pulls a weapon or pulls a knife or you think it's a gun, but it's a cell phone and this and that. You know, you don't know truly what someone's going to react. So you're going to get some people. I always use this as an example. You know, I knew some friends that were cops. And I remember one time back in the early 90s, we all went to Sprats on the Water. It was a club. And I remember a big fist fight broke out. And I remember one of my friends that was a cop at the time got his ass kicked. Got his fucking ass kicked. And, you know, look, he, he took it. He got his ass kicked. And that was it. There are some cops out there that they get into a fight with someone else that is unarmed. And the moment they feel that they're about to get their ass kicked, the gun comes out. And they use the same excuse all the time, I was fearing for my life. Well, guess what? I don't think my friend in the club was fearing for his life that, that night. I think he was fearing he was gonna get his ass kicked. There is a much bigger difference about fearing for my life and fearing that I'm gonna get my ass kicked. And a lot of, a lot of police officers jumped the gun. Now, it is true that more white people get shot by cops than black people. But the only reason that is is because there's more white people in the United States of America than black people. That's, that's the truth. When people say, oh, more white people get shot by cops every year, yeah, that's because there's more white people. 
Just like you could look at a lot of other, you know, that's why when you see a company and the company has 80% white, it's not because they're racist sometimes. It's because they're in an area where if you look at the overall population, it might only be 15% black or 20% black. You know, it's, that's the reason why it happens sometimes. It's not about, you know, race. It's about, you know, if you're in a, in, in a, in a country or in an area where one demographic or the Asian demographic is only 6% of the country, oh, how come there's no Asians in this company? Or there's only one or two? Well, because out of every 100, 96 aren't Asian. So the bottom line is this. The reason why I feel these riots are necessary, and I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I truly believe it. I thought about it really long and hard is because I realize now that for decades and decades and decades, there's been so many peaceful protests. There have been riots over decades and decades as well. But unfortunately, most of the time, police officers are let go. Um, They're getting convicted a little bit more now because of video. If there weren't cell phone cameras around, a lot of these officers would have made up whatever story they made he was going for his gun. He was doing this, doing that, whatever it is. He had his hand in his pocket. There's a million excuses they could give, and then they get let off. So the video obviously helps in a lot of cases. You look at that guy that was running away, the one I mentioned earlier. You look at that. Look at that 17-year-old that had the knife but was running away from the cops, and they shot him anyway. Video wasn't there. They could have said that he just lunged for the officers. Nobody would have ever been able to prove otherwise. So, yes, innocent people lost their livelihoods because of this. But the problem is, is that officers still, even with the riots of 91, even in the riots of the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, late-2000s, early, even though these riots occur, it's not deterring officers as far as that testosterone, that power, that ignorance, you know, that lack of sympathy. You know, you got, you, they, I think some officers look at some of the people they arrest almost like hunting in the woods. You know, you shoot a deer, and you put the deer on, on the thing, you hold them upside down, you take a picture of it, you cut the meat, you put it in the freezer, and you eat it on Thanksgiving. All right. I don't think they treat humans like deer, but they it's like they don't look at the human aspect of it. It's almost like, all right, this is my job. I work in a coroner's office. I can't take personal the dead people I'm seeing. I work for EMS and I witness deaths. I can't get emotional. I have to do my job. So a lot of these cops separate the human being that they have stopped from the fact that they're a human being. Right now, and this is what I said on Twitter earlier, um, this is exactly how I wrote it earlier, uh, if I could pull it up. Oh, yeah. It's about time the physical devastation shows at the res- as the result of human devastation. Every single person's business that got destroyed didn't deserve to have their business destroyed. But the cops that live in that area 
work in that area, work in Texas, work in New York, work in California, work in Chicago, work in, in Michigan, wherever they want to work. They may think twice next time they put their neck, their knee on someone's neck like, holy shit, I better, I got to be careful here. This fucking person dies on me. My whole city's going to get burned down to the ground. Innocent people are going to lose their businesses. Innocent people are going to lose their livelihood because of my ignorance, because of my selfishness, because of my disregard for human life. So I don't agree with burning down neighborhoods, but it's at the point now that I think the only way you deter future people, these hicks in Georgia, those two hicks in Georgia and that third person that got arrested, they are very lucky that that fucking neighborhood didn't get burned to a crisp. And you know for a fact that they probably would have the utmost guilt that my neighbor didn't deserve it. My neighbor had nothing to do with it. Why you ruin that person's life? And is it, well, you care about your neighbor, then you need to care about strangers as much as you care about your neighbor. You know what I always say, and you've heard me say this on the shows in the past. I look at someone that's black. I know they're black, but I treat them just like I treat someone who's white, someone who's gay, someone who's a girl, someone who's a guy, someone who's this. I treat people like I want to be treated. And I can't tell you. I mean, I wanted, for patrons, they know it. I was so this close of making public today the Stanley video. For those that don't know the Stanley video, I have a friend of mine. His name is Stanley. I know him now for 18 years. He's been in my house. He's been in my parents' house. He details cars, details planes, washes cars, boats, he cleans offices, and I've been using him for 18 years. He's got insurance with me. He's one of the nicest men I ever came across, and we became good friends. He's about 60 years old, 63 years old, I believe. He's black, dreadlocks, missing all his front teeth. You look at him, you'd swear that he lives homeless. Nice, one of the nicest men, and we're good friends. And he was in my office two years ago, and a guy came in. Saw him cleaning my office. Guy walks up to me and he says, everything all right? So right off the bat, you see where this is going. It's like, is everything all right? It's like, yeah, no, no, that's Stanley. I, I, he's a friend of mine. He cleans my office. I said, he does an unbelievable job. So the guy's like, yeah. He's like, I got a Jeep that I wanted to get detailed. I'm like, you got to use him. He's detailed my parents, my father's cars. He's been to my father's house. And so I tell this guy, Stanley, I'm like, Stanley, you want to go downstairs? He's got a Jeep. You know, you might be able to, to use it. And by the way, this guy, Stanley, lives in Staten Island. He goes all the way from Staten Island to my neighborhood to do stuff for me. And then he goes all the way back to Staten Island. And a lot of our, my patrons that are still around have seen this video more than once. So he goes downstairs and he looks at this guy's Jeep. And me, I'm in my office doing my work. About 10, 15 minutes later, this guy Stanley comes back upstairs and he looks like he's about to cry. And I said to him, I said, what's wrong? He says, you got some fucking racist people here. And I said, what happened? The guy's wife that had the Jeep used to work in the same shopping center that I did. She don't work there no more. She worked in the same shopping center. So what happened was the guy went downstairs with Stanley, and showed him his Jeep. 
So Stanley's looking at the paint, he's looking at the seats, and he's looking to see how much to give this guy a price. This guy's wife that works in one of the stores looks in the window and sees this Jamaican guy with dreadlocks in this guy's car. She runs outside, get the fuck away from my husband's car and this is that. And he's like, ma'am, I'm just trying, I don't give a shit. She just totally berated this guy. I felt so horrible for this guy. And he's like, no, nah, man. He's like, you know, I'm used to it and this is that. So a couple of weeks later, I had told the story. And I think, and some people, I acted like I was just bullshitting. Like, oh, you know, it's just, oh, what a convenient story, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he was in my office two weeks later. I said, Stanley, I said, um, I have an idea. I said, I have my phone with me. I said, I'd love to put your number out there. Maybe some people could get some work. I said, but you know what? With all this bullshit going on in the world with the racism, I said, would you be comfortable to share your story of what happened? He's like, no, I'd be fine with it. So I, I opened my video and I introduced everybody to him. We talked about our friendship for about, it was 15, 16 years at the time. This is two years ago, so now it's 18 years. And I said, Stanley, what happened two weeks ago? And he started telling it. And he came back upstairs. And then I said, I said, Stanley, what's, what did you say when you came back upstairs? And he looked at me and says, he was dodging it. I said, Stanley, I said, tell me you didn't say that, that you got some racist motherfuckers. And he felt guilty saying it because he felt, because I'm, I'm a white person and he felt guilty to say to a white person, albeit his friend, you got some racist fucking people in this neighborhood. And we had a very deep conversation about race and it was beautiful. It wasn't good shit or anything like that. It was two guys from two totally different walks of life that were just friends that didn't give a shit if someone's white or someone is black. And a lot of people were taken back by that video because it was real. And, you know, I'll just say this. And Naya's, Naya saw it. She's seen it. You know, I don't make up things. I told you, I'm not a good liar. And I don't ever want to be caught in a lie. And I always felt if I just tell the truth, even if the truth is boring, at least five years from now, 10 years from now, I don't have to worry about it coming back to me. I've had people lie to me about stuff. And they get caught two, three months later in their lies and don't even realize they got caught. I'm not even going to mention podcasters, stuff like that. But I've joked with a few podcasters. I said, you, you remember what this person said three months ago, right? It's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And it's not people that you think, it's just overall, because we talk to so many people online. The bottom line is this. You can't say, I don't look at, a, at color when I see people. Yeah, you do. I look at people and I realize people are black. And I realize that I could only imagine the shit that they have gone through. I showed you earlier a picture of my Lincoln Mark 7. I've been pulled over five times in that car because that car looks like trouble. If I post the picture of the car again right now, uh, you look at that car with the tinted windows. and uh, Here, here's my car right here. You look at the car with the tinted windows and everything like that, and that car is driving. Oh, I didn't even realize I had this video up this whole time. That car is driving down the highway, especially everything blacked out and everything, and you really can't see. It looks like trouble. And I've been pulled over five times, 
since I have that car. And I didn't do anything wrong. Didn't speed, didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Eddie Fridge, are you talking about, who are you talking about? I'm just curious because he's, he's talking about um, that somebody copied someone. So I, I have no idea who he's talking about. Is this guy Eddie Fridge talking about me, Dunzel Army? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I'm just looking at this over here because I, I don't. I, the funny thing is, if he is, I, I, I'm a supporter of Joe Cronin and I plug him all the time. So I don't try to be like anybody. I just try to be like me, and I've been doing this since 1997. So trust me, I certainly don't copy anybody. But anyway, okay, eh, it's all right. If that's what he thinks, I'm not copying. And you know what? If Joe Cronin has similar views than me, I, I give him credit for that. But, you know, eh, he's blasting me. It's all beat. I don't know why. I'm just telling you the, the truth. And there's a lot of people that could back up. Well, anyway, bottom line is, is that I... um. I've been pulled over simply because of the type of car. I could only imagine what it feels like to be pulled over simply because, not the color of my car, but the color of my skin. And it's terrible. And it goes on both sides too. Because even the other day, somebody on Twitter, I'm not going to say who it is, he posted something about Ice Cube. Ice Cube was writing some outrageous stuff. What happened was Ice Cube found a picture of a guy with a MAGA hat that looked a lot like this cop that finally got arrested for George Floyd. And he was putting the two together. Now, this guy with the MAGA hat was not the cop. It was to two totally different people. And people were telling him, you know, Cube, this is not the guy. It's not the same person. Not that, but just because he was wearing a Trump hat, that he was guilty. And I had made a remark that Ice Cube is melting. Because you don't need to add falsities to a tragedy to get your point across. It's disturbing. There's a lot of people in all walks of life, all colors, all creeds, all sexual orientations that are really shaken by this. There are some people out there that will use it for attention and whatever. But I don't, Chris Hansen, I don't care that Joe Cronin did it first. That's cool. Good. Give him credit. Everybody, let's give credit. Joe Cronin did it first. I don't know what he did first, but whatever he did first, good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that like minds think alike sometimes. I guarantee you, I, I, I'm not the first in a lot of things that I say, but that's all right. Um, you, you feel that way about me? You're the one listening to me. I'm not listening to you, but that's all right. So anyway, um, I could only imagine what this feels like, and I'm not going to pretend to feel what this feels like. I've told the story when I dated the Jewish girl and all that Jewish family did was make fun that I'm Italian. You know, making fun that, oh, they don't have that lasagna stuff and making fun of this and making fun of that. I worked at Ben's Best and I've told that story so many times. People didn't want me to serve them because I wasn't Jewish. And I've said how black people feel sometimes about white people is how I used to feel towards Jewish people. Then I realized that not every Jewish person acts that way. And just by everybody tuning in live right now, if you look at the people chatting right now, there is every nationality, there is every sexual orientation, there is every walk of life that tune into this show. 
And I have friends, I have podcasters who are in relationships that are mixed. And I guarantee you, they don't look at each other as, oh, that's my white, that's my white girlfriend, or that's my black boyfriend, or that's my white boyfriend, or my black girlfriend, or two guys or two girls. They care about each other. That's all that fucking matters. All right. My cousin, Italian, 100%, he married somebody who was black. You know, when you care about people, color is secondary. And unfortunately, right now, you know, what's going on is a build when, when a dog is kicked over and over and over again, or any type of an animal, sooner or later, that animal is going to bite back. When you use that analogy with pro wrestling, you know, TNA, don't keep poking the bear. AEW, don't keep poking the bear. Don't poke the bear, because sooner or later, the bear's going to snap back. You keep, you know putting this off and putting this off, everybody, oh, we care, we make a donation, we feel better, you know, and we try to move on with our lives. It doesn't take care of the core inside. Look at this Karen stuff. I didn't even know what the fuck this Karen stuff was until a week ago. And then I saw it. I see the woman in the park. I see today a video of some fat white woman just telling people, go back to your country simply because they're listening to Latino music in the United States. You know, there is a core group of people that just have hate in their heart. That's not going to go away for another generation. And that's why I feel, in my opinion, although I feel terrible for everybody whose business was destroyed, I look at it like, this is such a bad analogy, but, all right, you're at a party. You're at a club with a hundred of your friends or you're at a school event with a hundred of your friends or just a big party. Everybody's getting together. We're looking forward to a big party. Everybody, we're all going to get together. We're going to, COVID is over and over. We're all going to have a big party and a hundred of my friends are there. And then me, I decide to be an asshole and start picking a fight with someone over a girl or something like that. And then the club turns around and says, everybody go home. That's it. And I ruin it for everybody, you know? Me, I don't give a fuck. I got into a fight. I get thrown out. I go home. That's the end of it. But now I just ruined it for 100 people that did nothing wrong. So guess what? The next time I have a party or I go to a party and all my friends are there and anything, well, you know what? I have to be a little bit more careful because I could ruin it for everybody else out there. It's a bad analogy, but the point is, is that this cop right now, is right now trying to think of a thousand reasons why he was not trying to kill this guy. But his city just got burnt down as a result of it. And you're poking Antifa. Because you have Antifa right now that is just waiting for moments like this to go and push their agenda. And they blend in with protesters a lot of them are wearing masks, so you can't tell who is who, and this is and that, and this. And by the way, isn't it funny that suddenly COVID is not? You see any surgeons out there? You see any doctors out there? Everybody, if you want to protest, please social distance. Fuck you, fuck you. Suddenly, it's not a priority anymore. This is starting a chain reaction. It's not going to be just about what happened to Mr. Floyd. It's not just about, you're going to see this chain reaction. You're going to see protests and uproars and people are just fed up with this stuff. So although terrible what happened in Minnesota, 
But I guarantee you there are a lot of cops in a lot of other areas who have been problems in the past. This cop that got arrested, he's got a couple of issues. He's had complaints against them in the past. Every officer who has had issues or attitude problems, something like that, hopefully they see this and finally wake up and be like, holy shit. You know, you know, as much as, you know, I love the control and if, if I fucking go over the top and I kill someone, you know, my whole city could get burnt down over it. You know, me, okay, I like to drink and drive and it's just, you know, or I think it's, I don't think it's a problem. You know, I have a couple of drinks. I go on a car and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? You know, while I was on the highway today, I actually cut somebody off and he got into an accident, but luckily he didn't get my plate. Or I hit this person, but I left the scene and they didn't get my plate. Dodged a bullet. Well, guess what? The next time I might kill somebody on the road and then there's my whole fucking life. My family is ruined. I'm ruined. This, this, and that. So maybe that scares me straight not to do it again. So I think right now, as terrible as it is of all those innocent people that lost their businesses, they pay taxes. Minnesota failed them. Their police force failed them. The riots, a lot of the police are nowhere to be found. We don't know if the mayor or the governor told the cops, stand down. We don't know. But all we know is that Minnesota failed their community. They failed that gentleman. They failed the residents. They failed the business owners. Yes, you got Antifa and you have some jerk-offs mixed in with it that are just looking for a reason to cause destruction. But at the end of the day, if another George Floyd happens, those officers in different areas may think twice that when someone is complaining or is, can't breathe or something like that, you know, you're still a cop if you take the knee off. He's still in handcuffs if you lift the knee. He still ain't going anywhere if he's being held down by two other officers. My God, if he was that much of a tr threat, fucking put handcuffs around his, his ankles and that's it. If he tries to get up and run away, it looks like a bad cartoon. But instead, they uh, you got all these people, you're hurting him, you're going to kill him. The guy got, that, that's just awful. There is no excuse for it. And what's bad about it is it took so many days for this guy to get arrested that if it was you or me on a suspicion of murder, we wouldn't been arrested immediately. So video is absolutely crucial because if there was video for some of those names that I mentioned earlier, some of those tragedies would have never happened. The more video, this destruction, people have had it. I don't like the violence. I don't like the riots. I don't like what's what I see, but all I know is peaceful protests don't seem to be getting through the heads of law enforcement. Peaceful protests don't seem to be getting into the heads of district attorneys that decide not to pursue charges. Doing peaceful protests doesn't seem to be getting into the heads of the Karens out there or the Matarazzas in Georgia. And on the flip side, blacks that profile every white person or every Trump supporter or white people that profile every black person or this, uh, it, it, people have to start thinking that shit, you know, it's got to wake them up. But until it changes in here, 
it's going to continue. So I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. If you look at that list, you look at 2014 and 2015, just those two years, it is outrageous, all the stuff that went on. And you look at all the different presidents that were in office, and this still went on. I'm telling you, it's a deeper issue because that you can't tap into someone's mind and you don't know how they're going to react in a split second and you don't know if they're going to just explode or they're going to overreact. And let's also be honest too. And I swear, again, I'm not talking about the majority of police officers out there, but there is a core group that are going to overreact that are going to go over the top. There's a core group that are obsessed with the control and the power. You know, and not only that, there is a group of people, I hate to say it like this, but are are pussies that are, you know, like a petrified, oh my God, you know, like I said earlier with my friend in the club, he was afraid he was going to get his ass kicked. There's other cops out there that they interpret getting their ass kicked as being killed. So change is not going to happen fully. I don't think it'll ever change permanently for good. We're never going to live in this alternative universe where everybody just cares about everyone and there's no hate. There's always going to be jealousy. There's always going to be that craving for power. You see social media, that craving for attention, you know, just that obsession for likes. You know, people, like I said, you know, putting people down, insulting people, making fun of people, and simply because it's hidden behind a very funny joke that it's okay. And then somebody on the opposite side doesn't take it that way and gets very, very hurt over it. Then you feel bad, and you don't mean it like that, and then a day or two goes away, and then you're right back to where you were before. This is not going to change in a very long time, but hopefully... What happened in Minnesota will wake up a lot of other people that I could, even these Karens and even these others, my fucking entire livelihood could be ruined. My family could be doxxed. I could be out of my job. I could be on the street. I could be fucking barred wherever I go. Some people, unfortunately, it sounds, you know, it sounds like you got to guilt people into not doing that. But you know what? That might be the only way to break through in here. It's it's a shame, man. It's a shame. So with that said, I think we're done, everybody. Um, you know, I, I think we had a, a pretty damn good show. It was great to mix in some real life with this. I want to give a special shout out to OK Fabe Show. Um, I know, you know, we'll probably have a little bit of discussion on mental health in the very near future. Uh, he has moved away from doing wrestling shows and actually did a phenomenal podcast this week that I, I think you all should check out. And um, again, there's nothing wrong with being honest and being real sometimes with people. It's not boring. It's not PC. It's not pussification of America. It's you being a human being. And, you know, Roger Rubio as well. Big shout out to you. Um, big shout out to everybody. But you know, one thing I just want to leave everybody with is, is this, you know, once again, you know, never feel guilty for having a view on something. 
It may be an unpopular view. It may be a boring view. People just might ignore what you say. Look, tonight, again, I posed the idea of putting the... Look, I even mentioned yesterday that I was going to donate all the Super Chat to the Minnesota uh, Fund that's going around. And then I thought about maybe we'd do it for change.org or maybe a mixture of the two. I put that up there. And take notice of all the people that didn't even care less about it. You know, it's just unfortunately out there, like I said, you actually start dissecting and you realize that unfortunately, a lot of people don't give a shit. You know, they go through the motions and they'll put themselves as the victim. They care when they're the victim. That's what happens a lot. When they're the ones at the focus of the abuse, they're the victim. Everybody feel bad for me. But then when they do it to someone else, I'm just I'm just joking. Don't take me seriously. You know, I, I, I'm just a goof. That's that's what a lot of people do, and that's fucking terrible. But on but again, misery loves company, and um, you know it is what it is. All I know is this, and I said this early on tonight. I'm at the point right now in my life that I keep friendly with everybody online. But at the end of the day, I care about myself, care about my fiance. I want to spend whatever time I have left on this earth with my parents as long as they're going to remain on this earth until they move on. I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can with them. I'm going to spend quality time with my fiance. We go away once in a while. I'm going to work my ass off and try to avoid getting myself in crazy debt. I'm going to try to keep myself as healthy as possible. I'm going to keep putting out all of these shows and you dictate what you like and what you don't like about it and um, just keep, you know, committing for our patrons that are the glue for why the Monday show is still around and Wednesday's show is around and just enjoying life, man. I turn the TV off now with a lot of politics. I don't follow Trump anymore on social media. I don't follow anybody in politics on social media anymore. I just want to enjoy whatever life I have and then move on. Whatever fucking debt is here when I'm gone, all I know is when I'm gone, I want everybody out there that knew me personally to say, you know what? Yeah, he could be a wise-ass. Yeah, he could be, you know, provo a, a, a provocateur. Yeah, I could instigate stuff. Yeah, I could just really, really get under people's skin. But at the end of the day, I was open, honest, genuine, and I truly gave a shit about my uh, surroundings. I try to treat people the way I want to be treated, and that's it. And the only way you know that in people is in time. You know, anybody could podcast themselves into sounding like a hero. Anybody could tweet themselves into sounding like they're a superstar. And, but you see through everyday actions. You see through gestures that nobody knows about. Some of you I met privately at a big event last year at Lucky 13, and you know those conversation interactions we had that no one else will know about it. And, you know, that is the, the true connection between people, you know. And that's it. Look, when I put that link up for A.J. Moore doing that beautiful artwork for Shad Gaspard, almost everybody ignored it. And it really bothered me because I was like, wow, these are all these people they're all paying tribute to Shad Gaspar, and they're just sitting on Twitter, just bitching and complaining. 
here they could go live and go witness some beautiful artwork in real time. And maybe they're not into artwork, but stop by and, you know, show, say hello and show support for someone, you know, fellow person that, you know, is into wrestling and paying tribute as well. And it was, they were too cool for school for it. And then when the focus went on to them about things, now everybody's got to stop and do this to them. Everyday actions, when you see people ignoring certain things, but they'll tweet other things simply because it gets them attention, get tweet fucked, they get follow backs, you realize that that's what they care about. They don't, they don't tweet based on this. They tweet based on this. Not into that, man. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, I know we didn't do much with Super Chat tonight, but that's cool, man. This page is, is not about just super chat. I mean, it helps once in a while, but I will tell you that I will be making a donation over the weekend for both the Minnesota fund, uh, freedom fund and, uh, change.org. I'll post it next week and it'll be from all of us over here. Everybody that tuned in, even the ones that are hardcore Joe Cronin fans. I don't know why they got upset with me. I, I'm a fan of Joe Cronin. I follow him on social media. I plug his stuff all the time. I'm not in no competition with him. He's a good dude. I don't know why, you know, people are, like, trying to make a little friction there. But, uh, you know, we're, we're on the same boat, man. And, uh, like I said, just treat your neighbors like you want to be treated. You come across people that you don't know, you treat them like you want to be treated. You know, not everybody is going to be receptive. And you remember a couple of months ago I told the story. I went to the post office and this is before COVID, like two months before COVID, went into the post office. And as I was leaving, some woman was walking in and I held the door. You know, you, you, you walk out of a store and you're walking out and somebody's about to walk in and you hold the door to let them in. I held the door and she looked at me. She says, I can hold the door myself. I don't need you to do it for me. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I just kept walking. I'm saying, wow, what a fucking bitch. That's how some people are. You're always going to come across assholes. Just show niceties. Don't let it get to you. Move the fuck on. And that's it. I thank everybody. Sorry that this was a long-winded rant, but you know, I just wanted to express how I felt about it. I wanted to give you the view in the eyes of a older white Italian guy that um, how I view it. I will never pretend to act like what it feels like for somebody of color or gay or anything to be, you know, and considered an outcast or profiled simply because of what I just said. But I could tell you from deep, deep inside that what I see I don't like and what I research, it bothers me even more. And trust me, I'd rather everybody just get along with each other and no drama and everybody just love people for who they are than have these wars, man. It's not healthy. Nobody wins by it. It just makes things worse. And, you know, I just, I, I hope to God it gets better. I hope to God it gets better. But I think there's going to need to be a lot more destruction. But be careful also. I know I mentioned Antifa to single them out, but be careful of the people that just want this country to hit rock bottom. They're going to use every tragedy to get their agenda. 
no fucking reason why the CNN building should have been torched today. You know, no reason why some other areas. And you realize that they're using the tragedy that just went on and using that as a reason to cause destruction. They are masquerading themselves as protesters and they could care less about what is going on. So, all right, everybody, I'm out of here. I got to get myself some sleep. Believe it or not, in about 16 hours, I will be right back doing another show on Patreon with Mish for Breakfast Soup. So if you want to go check it out, patreon.com slash Don Tony. And if anybody signs up before June 1st, like I said, you know, I know you'll get charged twice in three or four days. I will refund that second charge. So you only charge once. So if you don't want to wait till June 1st to go check out the content, you can check out Breakfast Soup tomorrow. You can get access to hundreds of episodes of archive that are Patreon exclusive. And very soon, um, all the back shows of DTKC are going to be put in archives and they will be accessible only on Patreon. So only probably like the last year's worth of shows will be available online. So that's something that'll be happening in the next couple of months. But everyone, you know, wherever you live, get a good night's sleep or good morning. Cause I know some areas it's early in the morning. Uh, much love as always. And please share your thoughts, man. If you agree with me or disagree with me or, you know, it doesn't even have to be about what I just talked about. It could be about the wrestling stuff too. Post it. I read everybody's and I respect everybody's views. You know, all I ask is that you respect mine back, even if you disagree with it. So, all right, everybody, I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and I will catch you all again Monday for the Don, Tony and Kevin Castle show. Take care, everybody. Be well. Ciao. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you're hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. <laughs> New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com.